Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and bloviate about its bogus adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. Someone tell the story. Someone sing the song. Every now and then, adaptations go a little wrong. Every now and then, villain sues are bound to come along. Doesn't stop the story. HBO is pretty strong. Doesn't change the song. My name is Kylie, and here with me is Julia. Hello, everyone. And we both write for thefandamentals.com. For fundamentally um, sound fandom analysis. And that you can go to thefandamentals.com for fundamentally sound fandom analysis and just have your fill of wonderfully written pieces about a variety of media. Mm-hmm. News, reviews. Uh, Wondering what Iron Fist is like? We can tell pieces. you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Iron Fist review. That was savage <laughs> today. <laughs> uh, another thing that... Julie and I do for well for this website we we write and we sort of criticize Game of Thrones a lot all the time. I don't. Mm, it's kind of our thing. One of the things that we found to be really fruitful in just highlighting how dumb this show is is to go through plot line by plot line, right, and just recap it and rewatch it. Right. So, and then we call it a retrospective, which I'm not even sure if I'm using that word right, but I think I am. Well, like, we're reminiscing about our experience of watching it, right? right. Yeah, so for Winter Hell, the mm-hmm. plotline starring Johnny Cardboard and the Sansa, the Stark, Sansa Stark construct, construct. <laughs> uh, we wrote a three-part retrospective for some reason, and... Well, one of them was the recap. I mean, the way I see it, our, our recaps are, like, for entertainment purposes, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I they're, tag they're, their humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, they're, they're there just to make you laugh and just, like... Maybe, like, you know, to highlight silliness, but really it's just, like, you know, to entertain you. And then, I think like, sometimes, we have... I think sometimes it highlights the silliness. Like, for some reason, everyone's in the room fighting over John's body. <laughs> but, like, then, like, the following essays are more serious. Like, we usually, like, this time we kind of stopped using the fandom nicknames and we were, like, a lot more kind of, yeah. well, you know, trying they're... to back things up with evidence or whatever. Yeah, we, we were, like, justifying our arguments. Be it yeah. known, be it known, dear listeners, that... Julia and I have written over 100,000 words in our retrospectives alone for Game of Thrones Season 6. Because <laughs> that's how much we love you. Yeah. But uh, what you are about to listen to, because we're doing some time traveling and doing it so professionally, is that before Julia and I sit down to write these like extensive tomes on the season, we have to plan it out. And we do that through a voice chat. And we decided to just record ourselves doing it. Um, so we are going to transition into fandom nicknames. But before we do that, one of the advantages of recording our intro ahead of time, aside from the fact that we obviously don't edit ourselves, get Larry out of the frame. <laughs> I'm using him to emphasize my point. <laughs> Julia's, like, gesturing with... I got her a little Funko Pop of Larry with the short hair. He's so befuddled. Yeah. And she's, like, gesturing <laughs> with him. This is why we don't record with our cameras on! <laughs> God damn it, woman! Okay, so we were going to do some news? Right, we were going to transition into the Phantom Dick games. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the advantages of recording ahead of time is that we can actually discuss some news related to Game of Thrones. 
So the most important piece of news is that it's coming back on July 16th. Two days after Bastille Day. My sister better deliver her baby on time because I need to be <laughs> back in Pennsylvania ready to analyze this. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could, like, do a live blog with a screaming baby. I guess. Or, like, from the hospital. Yeah. I mean, how dedicated are you to this enterprise, Kylie? I'm, oh, I'm extremely dedicated. (laughs) Um, And along with that release date, we got an, or it wasn't along, it was in addition to, I think, we got that very illuminating teaser poster. No, that was how it was announced. And apparently oh, the Game of Thrones showrunners, like Benioff and Weiss, they're embarrassed about it because, like, people kept trying to be like, oh, is the ice cracking? And they're like, no, it's just a date. Like, like people kept trying to think that there was more to it because it was so nothing. Well, it was, like, ice with, like, fire. Yeah. I wonder what that's about. It looked really good. It looked like what I would have made in my eighth grade Photoshop class, but... Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. I made some pretty ugly... Prince Zuko collages in my eighth grade class, so let's not talk about that. <laughs> Graphic design is your passion. Oh my god, it's so bad. <laughs> um, another, uh, an actual meaty piece of news, well, kind of, is that they have gotten a very special guest star to please Maisie Williams this season, or just like an extra probably in the background. Uh, Ed Shireen is going to be on the show. Yeah, um, when she said that, I thought she meant Shireen, when I'm just like, Shireen's coming back! Continuity! What? No. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I think he'll probably, he's, he's probably going to be a bard or something. If there's another wedding, he might like be in the background. They had Coldplay already, and they had Sigur Ross, yeah. but um, yeah, they'll probably have like he'll probably do like the end credit thing or whatever. It's I just love that they're willing to like you know put all this effort into like surprising their actors, but then they won't write a coherent script. <laughs> Is like, there any other news? I mean, we can get into spoilers, but truthfully, I'm pretty sure that um. Julie and I are at that point right now where we're trying to pretend the show's not coming back and we don't have to deal with another season of this. Mm-hmm. So we kind of just avoid spoilers. And then at one point, one of us, probably me, is going to just like break down and be like, okay, let's go through everything that's happening. Uh, of course, there's going to be a Larian Car- Cheryl sex scene. Of course. Like, it just all sounds really dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, Kit Harrington says this is going to be an action packed season. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, and there's, there'd be, like, the CGI budget is increasing, I think you said. So they could have uh-huh. maybe a dire wolf and a dragon? Yeah. Well, it's more that they have the same CGI button, but uh, budget, but for uh, fewer episodes. Like, yeah, seven instead of ten. Mm-hmm. Which is, you Still know, truth- too many. Like, truthfully, <sighs> they could have cut out three hours of season six and nothing would have changed. Like, yeah. That was so wheel-spinning. <sighs> but, um, no, I mean, I just, I just don't care. You can talk about my date. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, tell them about this. The Children of the Forest date? Well, I just, I was just, like, on this date, and, like, every time, like, people vent, like, I try not to talk about Game of Thrones, because I get a little excited, but, like, there's, um, this guy was, like, just a casual show viewer, and I was, and he's like, I, I, like, I read, like, half the first book, like, you know, ten years ago, I never got into them, but, like, you know, I enjoy the show, and it's just like, and then, like, I just asked him, like, do you know who the Children of the Forest are? And he's just like, no. <laughs> Um, you know that that chick in the cave with Bran with the like ear, the eyes, and he was just like, "Yeah, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> what were they? Why did they all die? I'm just why? What is going on here?" And then we were talking about the Battle of the Bastards, and he said, "Well, it was Ramsay's own hubris that defeated him in the end." And I was just like, "How?" <laughs> At this point, I was just like really excited, and I was, just, "How? Please tell me." 
That's actually what you're about to listen to. That was one of our main mm-hmm. takeaways because we kind of thought that was supposed to be like that mm-hmm. was supposed to be the takeaway, right? He was eaten by his dogs. It was poetic justice, but uh, that's not really what was in evidence in the slightest. Yeah, because yeah, absolutely nothing he did resulted in his defeat. No. I guess you can argue that pissing off Sansa did, Need but to spoil our podcast. <sighs> Anyway, I am spreading the word one date at a time. Hey, um, before, actually, while we're talking about our retrospective that you're about to listen to us planning out, it, before we transition into that, is there anything you wanted to clarify about what we wrote? Um, well, there was some kind of, um, I would call it like more distraction about the whole line of succession, proper progression thing. It wasn't so much distraction. It's just that I don't think we um, were very, very clear that mm. Bran is 100% legally the heir of winter hell in this situation because yeah. he's alive and he it's there's male preference primogeniture yeah um however when we were saying that sansa is the heir because we talked about this a lot right we called yeah sansa well the, it's, it's kind of important right well we called her the heir a good number of times and the reason we did that instead of calling brand is because we were trying to say like in the eyes of the northern lords mm-hmm. you definitely don't know that brand is alive because yeah, and as we mentioned assuming- in the piece as we mentioned in the piece, the fact that she's the legal heir to Winterfell in everybody's eyes is kind of important. Like, it's been important since the Red Wedding. Very important. Like, yeah. that's why Tyrion wanted to marry her. That's why the Boltons want to marry a Stark. You know, there's like, that's, it's important. <laughs> right. Um. The, and the, really just this whole thing, like, they found out Rickon was alive and they're not willing to do anything for him. That just kind of makes this all worse now that I think about yeah. it. But yeah, we just want to clear that up. We definitely know Bran's the heir, but we were trying to talk through the eyes of the Northern Lords, which I don't even know why, because, like, they're not characters. Well, there's no reason that they can't, that they shouldn't be like, oh, hey, there's the heir to Winterfell. Right, Let's right, make her right. queen. Like, there's there's no, like, Watsonian explanation for that. The other thing I want to clarify, um, a commenter Elsa was actually mentioning this, I think it was Elsa, mentioned this a couple times, where uh, we, we sort of said, like, you know, Sansa's the one who, like, did all the effort. She did the coalition building. And, and she pointed mm-hmm. out uh, the commenter, actually, you know, Littlefinger's the savior of Winterhell at the end of this, when you really get down to it. And that's part of it, uh, but... Well, if you really get down to it, that guy in the white horse who was leading the charge is really the savior, right? Like, why is he there? Because <laughs> Sansa... Because of Sansa. <laughs> right, right, right. And, like, that that's the thing. Like, Sa- Littlefinger's doing everything because of Sansa. I guess it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg thing, because obviously she needed his machinations but at the same time she had him wrapped around her little finger even in the show at the end of season four like wasn't that yeah. the point of that veil vale lord scene so I, I don't know i think what we were trying to at least say is she did a fuck lot more than johnny but that's uh <laughs> damning with faint praise damn you snow a bar of trump height i don't know like i i don't there's just i don't know what that says yeah. she's not ready she will never oh, be ready. There's a spoiler. I don't know if this is true or not, so I'm sorry if I'm spoiling season seven for you. I'm sorry if you're listening to this podcast and you care about being spoiled. There's a sp- <laughs> but Littlefinger might die? He probably should at some point. He's annoying. Why, why is his head still on his shoulders? I mean, even in the Song of Ice and Fire, that's kind of a fair question. So. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Alright, we gotta, you know, we gotta get out of here because we're already rambling on for this introduction. I'm pretty sure our podcast is like two hours long, so we're gonna just transition. Okay, so confession. I'm like, we haven't even started yet and I'm already exhausted from this. Julia, we have to talk about fandom nicknames. (laughs) 
Look, I honestly, I have a confession. Uh-huh. Actually, uh to prep for this, I listened to some UBS classics. So, I listened to the Brian Cogman marriage <laughs> strike or whatever we called it. Oh. I listened to John's Folly. Yes. Remember when we used to do highlights and lowlights, and at this point we can't even like no. tell you what our highlights and lowlights are because that's how off the show. I mean, like our highlights are yes. that was a really nice shot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, know. like the director and, is uh, competent at directing. <laughs> and I listened to Winter Hell too, uh-huh. but that sound quality—wow! I didn't know what I was doing. That was I our second that- episode. I think the Sansa marriage strike episode is, is like one of my favorites that we've ever recorded though, because it's just us so mad at Brian Cogman. So mad. No, like that was, it's the closest thing we've ever done to like just one of those like, you know, those things that people do on Tumblr where they just rant and post it without rereading it. <laughs> I, I think it was educational. Yeah. Anyway, let's, let's give you the fandom nicknames. Let's get into There's it. There's quite a few of them this time. Yeah, there are. Uh, I'm prepared. I, I think. Julia is prepared, and, and we have a bullet we... point checklist thing. But look, we're we're, we're going to tell you something else too. Once we finish up with these fandom nicknames, we usually go into what we call a high level recap, and mm-hmm. it's kind of a joke at this point because we don't. <laughs> it, it's the le- least high level thing ever. <laughs> so at this point, we're just going to drop that pretense, and we're yeah. going to do what we call an analysis ish recap, just organically. So as we go mm-hmm. through events, we are going to talk about things chronologically, but we might stop, go off on tangents, and. I'm assuming this podcast is going to be two episodes. Yeah. So we're just going to find a logical stopping point and we'll still do checklist and Aspel. We'll still yeah. do character arc stuff, but we're just, we're not even going to pretend yeah, it's a We're going to talk until we get out. hungry and then we're going to stop and take a break and then we'll yeah. finish. <laughs> and let me just say, because it's a Friday, <laughs> mm-hmm. I made some challah and this is one of the better loaves I have ever made. You'll have to send How- it to me. Yeah. However, I'm starting to think I should do the four braid. Yeah. And not the three braid. Yeah. Is there a difference? This, yeah, well, uh, well, like, do you braid three strands or four strands? There's also the six strand, but that just insists on itself. I mean, is is it, like, a meaningful, or is it just, like, the four braid is fancier? I think you're supposed to do the sixth, the sixth braid for Rosh Hashanah, maybe? Yeah. But, there, I, truthfully, no, not for me. It's not meaningful. I plan I just on think, having spaghetti squash for dinner. I think four braid looks better. Um... Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. So the first fandom nickname that we have is Winter Hell. Winter Hell like, is a horrible place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Mostly people we got dying. this from we got this from Hot Pie. Yeah. Really. So thanks, buddy. People are dying, and no one gives a shit about the Starks. It's just mm-hmm. grim. Like, the one grim. character we liked from there died in like the second episode or whatever. So yeah. All right. Who else we got? You got Johnny Cardboard. He's born of cardstock. Johnny Cardboard is a simple fella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like, you know, that's obviously our neighbor, Jon Snow. He's just like, there's not much to him, really. Like, I guess I he's kind of broody. I think it's just that we got a little bored with writing Jon sometimes. Yeah. And this is not, he's not very much like Jon Snow no. at all. Jon Snow is quite introspective and like... Very introspective. <sighs> smart yeah um and like johnny cardboard yeah. just no i'm trying to think about like john snow like if john would if he would react the way that johnny reacted in a particular moment and like he does have like those Sometimes. moments where he loses his temper but that's mostly something he's grown out of like that's something a game of thrones john would do i'm not sure he if a dance of dragon is john legit like 10 years younger than johnny cardboard at this point yeah 
So that's something to keep in mind. But he doesn't have anyway. a bitch and man bun. No, he doesn't. And Kit Harrington's man bun is very... As it's a warning, fetch. you are going to hear me do Johnny Cardboard impersonations <laughs> throughout this podcast, and I don't even apologize. No, don't apologize. <laughs> Never, ever apologize for your John Snow voice. <laughs> All right, next we have a series of slightly confusing nicknames. So mm-hmm. we call... there There is a construct known as Sansa Stark on the show, but... When you actually look at the way Sansa Stark is written, there's multiple distinct personalities. Yeah. For instance, uh, Darth Sansa is one from past seasons who was wearing the fug necklace and was like all empowered and li- and I know what you want. That was like yeah, and that was- Darth Sansa had this kind of self assurance too. She had smug. She yeah. had smug. But, like, not yeah. in the way that, like, other members of the construct do. Like, mm-hmm. this was before so, she was taught a lesson, I guess. So this season, there's four mm-hmm. personalities that emerged glorious from <laughs> the Sansa Stark block of stone. Yeah. Um, the first is Fansa. Yeah. Who I think can sometimes be called Sansa Stork, but honestly, we confuse ourselves with this. Yeah, well, Fansa is just kind of like... Not too smart. She needs she needs other people's guidance, usually men. She's afraid to do things like cross rivers or to save her own life. Yeah, she just kind of cowers in the corner a lot. That's that's yeah. Fansa. <laughs> that's Fansa, which is it gives you whiplash when Fansa shows up because mm-hmm. I guess I guess like sometimes she's telling people that she's ready to empoweredly die. Um, she did that last season. That was nice of Fansa. Yeah. Anyway, the the next uh the next Sansa is a boss ass individual. <laughs> yes. Named Brittany. Brittany bitch. <laughs> it's Brittany bitch. And she is just snappy. She's and the best. No, no, she's she's like, you know, she's actually empowered. She's articulate. She, you know, has oh, yeah. well considered opinions. She knows shit about politics. You know, Brittany's the best. She has lip gloss. Yeah, and like we legitimately do like Brittany. Yeah. Seriously, I, I hate she comes out of nowhere, Absolutely but I like nowhere. how much I hate how much I like watching her because you're just so refreshed by seeing a woman making good points. Yeah, on the show and like being being like not evil in her competence, you know? Right? No, she's really good. Like and, and she's she not even, trying to manipulate anybody. She's just kind of. She like, even says like, "I want you to help me, but I'll do this myself." Yeah, like she's just like. Everything you would ever want in a female character in the show. And what's frustrating is that, I mean, Darth Sansa was ridiculous, but I think they were kind of sort of on their way to setting up Brittany, and then, yeah. like, all these other personalities took over. The next one is the Carol Award winner. <laughs> and this came out of the Rant and Rave threads on, yeah. on A Song of Ice and Fire. I love this so much. It's Field Marshal Sandra Snark. <laughs> See, Field Marshal Sandra Snark is, like, somebody who's not that smart, who saw Brittany in those first couple episodes and said, I want to be just like her. Except that she's made a fail and she's really dumb. <laughs> and the the word Sandra, the, yeah. the name Sandra, came because if you rewatch the scene with Liana Mormont, that's what she calls her for some reason. Mm-hmm. She's just like, the Lady Sandra. You're like, um... Why? Maybe you should do so, another take, guys. Yeah. But, like... Was that really the best you could get out of this 10-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> She's 10. Sandra is, like... She always speaks at exactly the wrong time and says exactly the <laughs> wrong thing. And... 
she also really distrusts Johnny. Yeah, like one of the major differences between Brittany and Sandra, because we had a bit of a discussion. One of the major differences between Brittany and Sandra is that Sandra is oddly suspicious of her brother, mostly because men suggested to her. <laughs> Yeah. But but Brittany just like trusts John implicitly. She's just like, no, me and him are tight. <laughs> yeah, she she loves him. She knits for him. Sews for him, not knits. There's no, knitting. no, I know. I'm sorry. That was bad. <laughs> I don't know needlework. So Sandra Snark, uh we we see her pretty much episode seven and then she kinda like hangs out through the end sometimes. Yeah. She pops in and out. The last personality is one that we've seen before. Yeah. And this is Asnes Kratz. <laughs> Which is Sansa Stark backwards. Yes. Well, I, I guess Stark Sansa backwards, but yeah. Um. And she's basically just like the cookie cutter female of dark gray morality that the show seems to like. Yeah, uh, she popped up last year, I believe in the Hard Home episode for the first time, when she said that she wished she could have tortured Theon herself. Yeah. And was just like sitting brooding and you're like, oh my god, this is terrifying. Um, But she, she is, uh, yep. Yeah, like Joy said, that's really the best way of putting it. And she comes for the one scene that we are going to probably talk about for a long time. <laughs> so Yeah. So those are the, the many faces of Sansa Stark that we get this season. Mm-hmm. The I promise the next nicknames are a lot more straightforward. Well, okay, maybe not. Uh, Joy, you want to introduce the next one? <laughs> okay, my, well, I think he's my favorite character in this plotline this season, other than um, my actual favorite character, uh, who doesn't have a nickname, uh, Beardy. Beardy is the tall Icelandic gentleman with the beard. Uh, I don't know why we did this. <laughs> well, because he's nothing like Tormund Giant's face. We also have, like, Priesty McBeard face or whatever. <laughs> I have a like, why, are, why is this what we're going with? Julia is so attached to the name Beardy, and I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but okay. What, do you want to call him Tormund? No, that's not Tormund. Do you have another suggestion, then? I really don't. At this point, he's just beardy in my mind. Yeah. Because we've been using it for so long. I mean, he's just a guy. I mean, he's like the nominal head of the wildlings, we guess. For some reason. Although then there's like another head that they talk to that they need to pursue. It was weird. He's like a thinner version of beardy, basically. (laughs) He's not Icelandic. I don't know. (laughs) I think he has a beard, though. He did. He had like exactly the same beard. (laughs) He was just like thinner. I don't know. All right. Moving on. We've got... Melly Sands bra. And again, we know that bras weren't a thing then. <laughs> and the reason we picked this name, actually, it came from our, our good buddy Chris from the Rant and Rave forums mm-hmm. when, when we all still did that. The, the reason we picked it is A, because it's clever as fuck, uh-huh. and B, because it highlights the way that they use Chris Van Houten to do sort of voyeuristic well, things with her. We'll discuss yeah. uh, the implications of that for this season, but... Yeah, I mean, I guess it could have been effective, whatever. Melly Sandsbra is, is, yeah, the, the red priestess that seems to take her shirt off a lot. Yeah. Don't mis- don't confuse her with Kuvira, her biggest fan. <laughs> it's a really good cosplay she had. <laughs> uh, Rover. Rover is John's dog, or maybe Sans' dog, we don't really I know. Don't, he left him in Castle Black, it doesn't really matter. Here, boy, you get a bone. <laughs> And uh, Ramsey Sue mm-hmm. is what we call uh, Ramsey Bolton because he's like the textbook definition of a villain Sue. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. 
um, a villain Sue is kind of like the evil counterpart of a Mary Sue, right? Like the writer of yep. the piece is just kind of reveling in how evil this character is. And the narrative just kind of gives him a ridiculous amount of help. Um, mostly, and like, like the effect is supposed to be so that it makes your hero look like super duper badass when they defeat the villain. But it's mostly just like you can tell the writer likes the villain better than the hero, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, it's basically author wish fulfillment yeah. for evil. Yeah, and just like that's why you know you know you have a villain Sue, and you have entire scenes that are just devoted to showing how evil the character is. I wonder if right, we'll have more, any of those. Two more nicknames. Yeah, Batfinger. one is Batfinger, who we didn't come up with this nickname. This has been around for a long time yeah. because uh, Ian Gillen's uh, voice. <laughs> Kind of reminded people of Batman a little bit. And he seems to teleport, so Batfinger. Yeah. And then there's Brienne the Brute. We'll probably just be calling her Brienne. But yeah. she she does slaughter a bunch of hounds. She does. So. She's a dog murderer. Well, no, the hounds disappeared. She slaughtered a bunch of dudes because she's badass. Yeah. Well, Brienne, it's just like, just to highlight how, like, unthinkingly violent this version is, as opposed to her, as opposed to her book counterpart, who's very, like... Yeah, we actually Thoughtful. have a whole episode on Jamie and Brienne. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? This is going to be more relevant to River Blands now that I think about it. Yeah. But she's so we'll get there. Yeah. She's she pops in for a little bit and then pops out. Anyway, that is that. So are we ready to start talking about it? Oh, what do we have to? Ooh, do you want me to include a musical interlude? Sure, you can include a musical interlude. Alright. Let's kick this off. Uh Okay, so episode one, the red woman. I wonder. Hey, Julia. Yeah. Um, do you remember when John died? What? Do you remember when John died? I remember there being stabby noises, like with a black screen, and there was the stark <laughs> cello of extreme emotional significance saying. I remember Ollie was crying. Uh, I remember. Yeah, I vaguely remember an Ollie-shaped kind of blur. We may have been crying, but I remember Keep the stark th- cello of extreme emotional significance. Keep in mind that this episode is called the red woman. Um, yeah. So there's basically going to be three different locations that we have to jump around with that a little bit, and then things will converge. Yeah. This is which... The Wall, uh, Winter Hell, and... Just outside Winter Hell. <laughs> yeah, and wherever Sandra is, or whoever she happens to be at the time. And there's, like, one scene in the veil we have to talk about. Yeah, because yeah. there's nowhere else to put it. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the retrospectives this year are so fucking hard. Is in season five, it was, like, a complete, like, fuck show, but they had these, like, nice contained plot lines they're nice and discreet and we could discuss them separately and it was it was cool now i think like stannis the was the hardest one to yeah. incorporate but yeah that was like yeah. really the only one that we had to split up like that yeah anyway uh let's just jump into this so the season opens exactly how it ended with john lying dead on the ground after just being stabbed remember the how the color of blood is shaped like a dragon <laughs> yeah the, the entire courtyard magically disappeared yeah so, like uh, it, it emptied and they just ditched him. They just ditched him. Yeah. And um, it's kind of nice, like, atmospheric. There's no music and, like, just, like, night sounds. Uh, and Ghost is doing ghost noises because Ghost makes noises. Oh, God, I forgot. It's Rover, buddy. Um, Rover makes noises. I'm sorry. Rover makes noises. You should have fixed that in the notes, Kylie. This is all your fault. I don't use Rover instinctively. No, I don't I... use it uh, either. But, um, yeah. Like, why wasn't... Why doesn't Rover hang out with John? <laughs> Like, there's no, there's no, like, wild boar that upsets him. Like, why doesn't he? Oh, he was, uh, he was locked up. I'm sure they secured him. 
they secured like he's usually like with John all the time, and there's like a very specific I think the, reason. I he's think not. the mutineers secured him. Okay, I, I guess I can. I guess I can accept that. The, we can't get stuck in these weeds. God damn, Davos runs out because he hears Rover howling. <laughs> the traitor then... sign is still there. <laughs> traitor. <laughs> And then retreated to, like, I can't describe how drawn out everything feels yeah. in these first few episodes. I mean, More they, drawn these, out than like, what the, we're the doing The first right couple now. episodes were, like, barely 50 minutes with the credits. They were padding it and, like, fuck. And, like, everything takes so mm. long, so it's like a full 20 seconds of men just coming to pick up John's body. Yeah, like, you have to watch them pick it up and, like, walk away and just, like, yeah. And, like, Davos is super protective of John. Like, did Davos and John bond? I have no idea. Like, the last thing I, like, um, Davos came back from, like, outside of Winterhell, and he was just, like, yelling at John to send the Night's Watch to fight for Stannis, right? That's like... Yeah. Did they really interact outside of that? Like, well, I guess there was that whole thing where he told him that he had no friends. Yeah, Remember right. when Ollie did, recited yeah, the Night's yeah, Watch yeah. mouse? I, like, is this bonding? Did they bond? You know, one of the benefits of us not really doing a recap is that we can just sort of talk a little bit generally here because I think it's I think this is important to note that the plotline with Davos right now and the tension at the wall revolves around the idea that Davos, Dolores Ed, and a few random Night's Watch brothers that we've literally never seen mm-hmm. before are all holed up in a room of John's body. <laughs> and there's like this weird game where suddenly the people who stab John's body really want John's body. But no one's explaining why. And like, do we they don't want know John's why. body or do they just want the people who are holed up with John's body to surrender? I don't know. But then why was Davos so interested in John's body? I don't know. He Did wanted... he have the resurrection idea right now? Like, maybe. If- it's just like there's this bizarre game of capture the flag going on, but no one told me why it's happening. Well, what I want to know is why there's only, like, um, Ed says that the only people he trusts is, like, the three or four people who are, like, holed up in the room. But, but John literally just won the election yeah. to be Lord Commander, like, two days ago. <laughs> Not two days ago, but at the beginning of last season. Yeah, I mean, which didn't seem to be that long ago. And he won by a majority. Yeah, he's not like, you know, th- there are several ways w- in which John resembles Trump in this season, but he and did the win group a majority. Of stabbers, the group of stabbers was like 20 dudes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Mel knocks on the door. Yeah. And she's all, they, like, upset and confused that John is dead because, yeah, yeah she saw him she, fighting at Winterhell. Right. Well, basically, she had that vision last season of her walking the battlements at Winterhell, and then after Stannis died, she kind of came to interpret it to mean it was John. And she was already, like, last season being like, I serve my lord. And then it, like, panned on John. I wonder what it means. So I think in her mind it already snapped, like, oh, I'll be serving John, not Stannis. Yeah. Even though, like, there was no indication of this last season. Remember, she just showed up after, like, things went hard. Well, I guess that's why she went to the wall rather than anywhere else. Yeah. But, like, Mel at this point is, like, really sad looking. She looks, like, very sad. She's still in I need a warm bath mode and a hug, like 100%. She's in this mode pretty much all season, I would say. Uh, anyway, meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, with the rest of the Night's Watch, everyone is like, Yo, Rebel, rebel, rebel. <laughs> you can't do that to Thorn. Yeah. And Thorn is like, I killed him. Yeah. And, and we all committed treason, all of yeah. us. But I never broke an order. I mean, I, I guess there was no explicit order not to kill your Lord Commander. <laughs> Like, was John supposed to, after being sweared, like, I command you all not to kill me? Like, what? 
<laughs> and then and then we committed treason, all of us. I think he was saying by us letting the wildlings through. That's what he was trying Maybe? to say. But I don't know. He kind of uses that, um, speaking of Trump, he kind of uses that Eric Trump bowl of M&M analogies with the wildlings. <laughs> where it's like, you can't let any of them through because some of them are going to raid. Yeah. And Ollie is getting reaction shots. I don't know. Poor, like, Ollie, like... We're going to talk a lot about actors who deserve better, and people really hate yeah. on this character, but, like, this kid is, like, getting better, I think. But I'm oh, yeah. quite sure they paid him as well, an extra. he ex- just works with what they get. I'm him. quite sure they yeah. paid him as an extra this season, because he never speaks. He never talks. He just has reaction shots. <laughs> like, like, it's like, no, he, just it's like he, knows, he knows that he doesn't have any lines, so he's just like, God, I have to emote, man. I have to emote so that people know that Ollie is intense. <laughs> He, he has that smoldering yeah. stare down. The, the point of the scene is just to show that Thorn says, like, ah, John shouldn't have let the wildlings in. And all of a sudden, all the Night's Watch, brother, Knights Watch brothers are like, yeah, this checks out. You know what? Not only do we now support what you did, but we want you to be able to break down that door and murder everyone in the room that's guarding John's body for no yeah, reason. Yeah, like, the weather rain right notch. Like, I, I, I don't even know what, what, why does Thorn even want them? Like, John can't have friends? No. I mean, I guess he doesn't want to get stabbed in the back. So we cut back to the room with everyone hiding. <laughs> I, mean, and I think we should give this room a name. The Room of Requirement. <laughs> and <laughs> Sure. It works as well as anyway. And Ed decides he wants to uh, charge out and try to fight Thorn for some reason. But then Davos is like, no, no. There's other people who are indebted to Jon Snow. Why don't you go get them? The other people. Every single no, it's just like, like he says this and it's just like, oh my god, what a smart and shocking revelation. But just like, did nobody right. consider the fucking wild things who now owe their, like, continued existence to Jon? Nobody considered them. Wait, before? how did Thorne think this was going to play out? We know that the wall isn't defended from the mm. south. Now there's all these wildlings who really like John. What do they think is going to happen when they find out that John's dead? Yeah. Like, but what is it? Like, Team own? Room is all like ready to go off on a suicide mission. I mean, to be fair, mission. John is stabbed in the books, and there's a similar situation. But like, it's not just Thorne being like, "Yeah, we had to do this." Yeah, well, well, because of wildlings. I mean, can, like, we can talk about the situation in the books and how it's like it didn't seem to be very well planned. Things like, like, yeah, well, or you can listen to our John's family yeah. podcast, Ruby. Talk about it. But we prepare. Yeah, I don't just like. Yeah, like, it seems like, like, in the books, it was just like, oh my god, we gotta do something right now because something crazy is about to happen, right? But, yeah. Anyway, Davos is basically like, bar the door and hope they don't have blasters, and then we <laughs> cut off to Winterhell. Yeah, uh, Winterhell proper. Uh, Ramsey Sue is there, and, and he has this extremely long scene where he's talking about his girlfriend, Miranda, oh who, if you recall, yeah, he, Theek threw her he's over He's sitting the, by her yeah. beer. Yeah. Well, he's, like, yeah. she's, like, lying in a bed, right? Uh, yeah. And um, Theek threw her over the railing, and she died. But, like, she ha- he has this, like, long, moving eulogy to her, like, and... She should have died hereafter. Yeah, something like that. It's, yeah. I'm kidding. That was Lady Crane. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he talked... This, this goes on for so long, and then it ends with someone being like, do you want to bury her? And he's like, no, you know, like, feed the meat to the dogs. And I guess that's supposed to be that he's badass, but truthfully, winter's coming, and I find that very pragmatic. Yeah, but And also, like, what's-his-face, uh, uh, Yoen, what's-his-face? Rian. Owen Rian. His performance is so, like, um, like, it's almost like Ramsey's try-harding, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Like, my personality is that I wouldn't give a fuck, so therefore I must pretend I don't give a fuck. Like, it's a far more subtle performance than this character deserves, in my opinion. Yeah, because it really does seem like he is broken up yeah. about Miranda, his other abuse victim. Why are we getting the emphasis on Ramsay Mortingheart? What the fuck is this? Well, they this episode is barely 50 minutes. They had to fill up some time. We cut to a scene with him and Roos. Yeah, in a hallway. And... And Roos is, like, thrilled, by the way, with his son. He's like, good job, uh, you know, I'd reward the man who killed Stannis. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We know, know it's, things. It's Brienne. <laughs> uh-huh. But he's, like, really, really impressed. Uh-huh. But then he's like, except we committed treason, I just realized. Um, <laughs> no, he acts as though, like, because com- he's talking about how, like, they committed treason to get Ramsay this marriage with Sansa Stark. But, and he's, like, acting as though, like, Ramsay was, like, head over heels in love with, uh, with like, Sansa and asked for a favor, and Roose did it despite all the trouble it would cause, you know? <laughs> Rather than, like, Roose, yeah. like, ordered Ramsay to marry her. <laughs> right, and, like, Michael McElliton, like, really sells the fuck out of Roose's role, yeah. so you kind of forget that, like, <laughs> He basically just pissed this all away for an alliance with Littlefinger anyway. Yeah. But he's... Well, no, he's apparently, like, apparently, we, they need the entire North united behind them, and they won't do that unless they have Sansa Stark. A reckoning will come. Apparently. We need the entire North to, we need the entire North to come. Okay. Because, like, and, and, like that marriage... That's a direct quote, by the way. <laughs> come and come. To Did anyone, like, proofread this script? Because I will write fanfic and write it like that and be like, oh... I probably shouldn't have the same word in two back-to-back sentences, yeah. whatever. <laughs> but, yes. I know, did we see any effect of this marriage on the Northern Lords at all? No. Actually, all the Northern Lords... Uh, that That's that's a better point. All the Northern Lords don't give a shit about the Starks this season. Yeah. To the point where them having Rickon Stark as a prisoner, the Boltons having Rickon Stark as a prisoner, is not a compelling motivation for anyone to go to war. Two Starks turning up on a Northern Lord's doorstep. Is not a compelling motivation. <laughs> Everyone else is just kind of like, nah, we're good. Yeah. Like, so we, we, they won't back us without Sansa Stark. Receipts. Yeah. And also, Roos, if you were so fucking concerned about- Oh my god. <laughs> what? This is just dumb. Anyway. <laughs> Ramsay assures him that he's got his best men on it. Uh, we yeah, assume because, it's like 10 I, out of the 20 yeah, if, men. If, so. you, um, if you recall- uh, um, Sansa and Theon escaped. Um, who was it who escaped? That was uh, Fansa, right? Fansa and Theon escaped from Winter Hell by jumping off of a wall with no consequences whatsoever. So uh, we yeah. uh, hook up with them just outside Winter Hell. It can't be that far since they're on foot. Oh, and oh wait, wait, one small point. Sorry. Right before that conversation ends with Roose, he then is like, if you don't get your wife back, that means you can have heirs. And my wife is pregnant. Ha ha ha. Which is apparently threatening to Ramsay, even though line of succession would still mean that Ramsay gets it first, so... Well, um. like, he's a legitimized bastard, that makes it tricky, but, um... Yeah, I guess. So anyway, uh, Fansa and Theon are running through the woods, and there's epic running music, and it's actually epic. And they come to a river, and Fansa's afraid of the river, and, and Theon, Theon has to... And helps her, and yeah. then we all of a sudden realize that Fansa is actually Kyra from the books. But, like, she also kind of has a point, because, like, it's cold outside and the river is like full of ice yeah like she has a legit point about how this might kill them and also how will this help them lose the dogs like if there's snow on the ground they're leaving footprints everywhere 
But anyway, they cross the river, and then, like, you know, they just plunged into a frozen river, so they're cold, so they huddle for warmth, and it's actually kind of nice. And they're kind of dying, because they plunged into a frozen river, and they didn't lose the dogs, because... (laughs) Footprints? Yeah, okay. Uh, then... And then, yeah, they hear the dogs coming, and so Dion is like, you stay here, I'll go on a suicide mission. And Francis is like, no, I need you! I I won't make it without you. Brittany would make it without him. But, yeah, um, but no, he's all like, no, go go towards the wall. And just like, Just okay. go north, basically. Just go north and just like... However, it doesn't... <sighs> like, Sion seriously buys her ten seconds. Mm-hmm. She, like, shuffles a foot away, and then the dogs and the men are all on them, and... Yeah, like, she's right there. But um, if I can be pedantic for a second, mm-hmm. the, the dudes on the horses, they call her Lady Bolton, and that really bugs me. Because poor yeah, Walter well... can't have anything... Yeah, they don't know what lady means. Like, D&D, I mean. But, yeah, Walda at this point is Lady Bolton, not Fansa, is my point. And Walda deserves better. Well, yeah, like, I mean, sometimes Catelyn was called Lady Stark, but, she was like... mostly called Lady but Stark. But that's also because she was... That's an official title. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, <sighs> yeah. It's, it's complicated, and it's not a last name. So, like, they kind of use both names interchangeably sometimes... And, but like calling calling like ladies calling Sansa like Lady Stark at any point like well at this point she's Lady Stark but like yeah she's like Lady okay Sansa so Brienne shows Stark. up and saves her yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> before Julia gets into the pit of pedanticness Brienne and Pod come out swinging and then Theon like fights people too and Sansa hides by a tree Sansa which hides is, by a tree which is not completely unreasonable you know well but... like theon shouldn't be in fighting sh- like we no. can we can nitpick about this the the aesthetic is not great no like all things taking into consideration especially with how the rest of fansa played out where like she won't go through a river and like all that shit she's just very 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 passive here but like brianna is savage so they're fine yeah she disappears all the dogs um, she kills the dude who's begging for mercy <sighs> she's such a class act yeah so then, uh, all that happens, and mm-hmm. Sansa, like, gets up and is like, oh, it's you. And, uh, Brienne offers her services again. She does the whole thing where she kneels and is just like, you know, I offer you my service once again. And Sansa is like, huh, what do I do? And then- What's that mean? <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so then she looks to Theon, and Theon is like, yeah. You should totally accept this oath thing. You should totally accept her oath of service. And she's like, okay, so I guess I'll do that. So then uh, Brienne does the whole, like, the whole kind of formula thing. And then Fansa forgets what she's supposed to say back. So Pod helps her out. Like, look, here's yeah. here's the thing. Like, all these, all this collectively, it's really not out of the realm of possibility yeah. that a traumatized abuse victim on the run in incredibly, like, wintry, difficult conditions... Mm-hmm. would probably behave in this manner. But the biggest issue we take is that, like, Sansa's personality just changes on a dime for yeah. whatever the scene needs. And, and of course it's her who is completely overwhelmed. Like, like Theon is running around swinging a sword. Right, like, why didn't his like, personality change to make him afraid of crossing a river? Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just... It's just in the pattern of yeah. a complete, like, lack of care for Sansa, and it's also in a pattern of, and, like, like if passive want- women. If you want to show her being, like, affected by, like, you know, the physical conditions, like, you know, you can show her shivering, you can show her cowering, but, like, 
all this stuff with like courtesy and like the the kind of like ritual of nobility that's have her, like, like take a that's breath her and, superpower you right, know like, that's her, what like, she's good at like sophie turner would have been so good if they had, like scripted it to just like have her you know suck in her breath and just like do this and pull it off and be like yeah. bam but no, instead we had to just have, like, pot is nice. It's not like, like I have an That's issue what her entire arc in King's Landing was about. Like, how she can do that. How can she, she can, like, suck it up and do what's expected of somebody in her position. Even though, like, you know, she has to go into a room afterwards and cry. But Julia, you know, that's like, not strong that's in the her... D&D way. <sighs> yeah. But if they wanted to show her, like, being not perfect, this was exactly the wrong way to do it. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and like, the... I know, I know that we sound like they can't do anything right. It's just that we have absolutely no benefit of the doubt for these men anymore. So when yeah, we see stuff true. like this, it's really hard for us not to see it from a completely doyalist perspective and from a like, why would you pick to do this for Sansa's character when you had these host of other options? Exactly. Okay. Uh, back at the wall, by the way, uh, <laughs> Thorn. <laughs> Thorn is playing the big bad wolf where he wants to huff and puff and blow the door down. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, apartment. you have until nightfall. Why? <laughs> yeah, he's just no, like, why? you have until nightfall to give up the body. Why? And I mean, that's it's it's like courteous, right? Like, what? he's giving him a chance to, like, save face he, and get out of he this. He basically said, like, Davos is going to be fine. Like, they're all going to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. But um, Davos is like, we're all going to be murdered. And here's the thing. If they open the door, uh-huh. like, Thorn would kill them all, right? That's... Can we assume that Davos is being right in his judgment of the situation? I don't think Thorne would do that, actually. But maybe Davos sincerely thinks that. Okay. Because, like, I just don't understand. Till I mean, who knows what D&D think that Thorne would do? I Why don't do think they that's want the body? Why? What is anyone's game? What is anyone's uh, goal? Like, Davos is terrified he's going to die, and he wants to hold out to wait for Ed to come back. I get that. I yeah. don't understand. Did we talk about how Ed left? Did we skip yeah. over that? No, okay. we, said, we said he's going to go get the wildlings. Okay. I don't... And everyone's like, oh, it's a sorry state when Ed's our best shot. Well, okay. Fuck you. <laughs> anyway, so Davos talks about how... um Something to do with Mel, right? Oh, There's some kind of segue where he mentions Mel. He's like... Oh, because people like, Dolores Ed sucks. And he's like, well, there's other people here. Meaning Mel. Uh-huh. Um, so, like... Or, or like we still have the red woman and like you don't know what she can do here's the thing that's the segue that's right. the segue here's the thing we know that this is in the middle of the day that's important yeah they have they have until nightfall they have until nightfall <laughs> and this is the next scene that happens yeah which so, is <laughs> so mel is sitting like by the fire she looks sad and tired and cold and she's like, you know what? I think it's time for a nap because I'm sad and tired and cold. Which, fine, you know, fair enough. You're allowed to have your nap in the middle of the day, Mel. You're tired. You've been through shit. I can only, like, those G-forces from the Shadowfax rod are probably still affecting her brain. Um, oh, my God. So then she stands up and she goes to, like, uh, like a piece of polished bronze that's like a mirror, right? Yeah. And then she's like okay, I'm going to take my clothes off. And so she starts taking her clothes off until she's she wasn't that naked. cold. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, like, people in the Middle Ages did usually sleep naked, um, but that's, like, I, not as, I mean, this is when they choose to be historically accurate, you know? So she <laughs> she takes off all her clothes. And looks and really she sad looks, doing it. Yeah, she looks really, really sad. And, like, I remember in the trailer, we were talking, we just thought, like, the actor was just really sad that she had to do this again. 
<laughs> but it does make Watsonian sense that she's sad. She's looking in the mirror. Then she takes off that, like, necklace thing that she wears all the time. Uh-huh. Like, she's been wearing it since season two. She takes it Except off. Except in that one scene in season four when she was naked in the top. Yep. Yes. Uh, we've discussed that. Yep. She takes it off. Uh, this is the place to discuss that. You're right. Um, she takes yep. it off, and then the camera does this pan thing. And when we pan back to her, oh, my God, it's a terrifying CGI golem old lady now. <laughs> No, she's, like, really, really old. She's really, really old, and, like, her boobs are really saggy. It's just a horror show. And then we are treated to, like, creepy music. Yeah, this takes two minutes and 40 seconds. But, like, the thing is that, like, while while I was rewatching it, I think it was, like, like, I said to myself, I think what they're trying to do is that, like, she's going, like, you know, she's questioning herself and her purpose and her identity. So she's going to look at herself in the mirror and she's like, no, I'm going to look at myself as I really am. So she takes off the magic necklace. But then she just gets in bed. But then she literally goes, turns around and goes into bed. <laughs> like, if she, if they ended the scene of her just, like, you know, looking at herself sadly, it would have been so much more effective. She just was tired and she wanted a nap. Yeah, she, like, she just wanted to take a nap. She's just like an old lady. So this is just a scene of us watching an old lady to take a nap. <laughs> That's what this scene is. An old lady wanted to take a nap in the middle of the day, and they sent it to dramatic music. Because there is a moment of her looking at her true self and, like, looking sad yeah. still. No, because uh, Clarice Van Houten is way too good for this show. Oh, so gosh. Of she's, course there she's is. She's excellent. But, like... Yeah. Yeah, you're right. If they had just cut the scene there, it would have been so much better. But instead, we just watch an old lady go and <laughs> take a nap. No, it's just, like, every time every time I think that they're, they, like, I think I see the point they're trying to make, they, like, undermine the point they're trying to make. It's right. just the most... Because, you, you know, gotta, as you probably know, like, we discussed this in all the retrospectives now, like, we're, we're really, like, believe it or not, we're really trying to steel man everything, to, like, put everything in the most generous, like, perspective we can. Yeah. It's true. And, like, this scene was so close to actually being effective. Hey, babe, I do think it wouldn't be bad if we picked up the pace. <sighs> all right. So, um, that was all one episode. <laughs> that was all one episode. The next episode is Home. And mm-hmm. we open, and the wall scene is what kicks off the spotlight, I guess. I don't remember yeah. what, if that kicked off the episode or not, but whatever. I don't remember either. But, um, and Thor comes is... back and pounds on the door again. <laughs> and he says, it's time, because I guess it's Yeah, but this time he brings a bunch of archers who are pointing at the door. Right. So, again, he wants to kill everyone. Like, <sighs> Uh, you said in the notes that you think that this is just protect Rover. Oh, I'm saying it's possible. Like, I don't know. It's possible that they just really like the room. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And then Thorn, yeah, this is where he uh, makes his generous offer. And then Davos, like, apologizes for what's about to happen. But my and- question is that, like, okay, so I, I guess we kind of went over this, but, like, Thorn, uh, Davos actually thinks that Thorn is going to kill the mob. I just don't understand why they're dying on this hill. It's just a body. I guess it's just because they're affiliated with Ch- I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, don't, do they don't do they not believe that Thorn would actually let them go? I, I think that's the best explanation I can, I can see. Remember, remember in Watchers on the Wall that the uh, season four extravaganza where like Thorn was actually an outstanding guy. Yep, but <sighs> he really that? doesn't like he really doesn't like wildlings. That's anyway, true. He really doesn't like wildlings. Before anything can happen, mm-hmm. speaking of those wildlings, they just like bust through the southern door. After book snob Dallas apologizes. <laughs> yeah, we we think he apologizes because he's a book snob. And he's like, I don't know what the shit this is, but. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one, one 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 breaks the southern door open, and then all the wildlings pour in, and they're like, stop that! <laughs> they have the best timing. 
Anyway, yeah. so Thorne, he calls everyone to fight, like all of the all of the peeps to fight. But one one just like picks a dude up and starts hitting him against the wall, and in a nice nod to a scene that happens in A Dance with Dragons, as yeah. John is being stabbed, actually. Uh, and then like they exchange like "You're the traitor!" No, you're the traitor! No, you're the traitor! Remarks. <sighs> then um, Beardy makes fun of Thorne, and then Ollie tries to like charge, charge him. at him. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a thing of beauty. And then- <laughs> Poor Ollie. You think that, like, Scream counted as a line, so he got paid sad? I don't think so. I don't no. think so. It has to be, like, an actual line. I think it has to be a spoken line, because you can have extras that shout in a battle. I guess so, yeah. I'm just, I'm really upset that they charged, that they paid Ollie as an extra. He deserves more than that. I bet Dave Hill, like, fought at tooth and nail. <sighs> Poor Dave Hill. <laughs> this is his episode. Of course, it's Ollie. Yeah, he had Ollie charge. And, like, uh, Ed is, like, like, really emerging as a leader at this point. Is yeah, you say? And, yeah. Anyway, this whole situation is basically just one big, like, glass of milk <laughs> tumbling over. And <laughs> and Beardy then, goes to see the uh, the extremely important body and comments about how it took a lot of knives to kill him. And oh, then he's Beardy. like, maybe we should burn these bodies, too. Yeah. I don't know if it's a fear of resurrection or if it's just like, what the fuck do you have a dead body for? Like, Did I, you just... Did you just mention a fear of resurrection, Kylie? Well, I mentioned like a fear of him like becoming a white, but yes, I let, did let, let's keep this fear of resurrection in mind as we move on to Winter Hell. Uh-huh. <coughs> so Roos and Ramsey uh, get word that uh, they're just chilling in a room with uh, this dude called Cardstark. <laughs> He's fucking weird. Uh, I, mean, I want to call him like McPoyle or something. He reminds me of the McPoyle brothers from uh, from Always Sunny. Okay, you can call him McPoyle if you like. So I'm not going to. McPoyle, whatever, it's fine. I mean, are we going to call him Karstark? Is that like, you know, an insult to the noble house of Karstark? It's fine. They are kind of all assholes. I don't mind impinging them. But anyway, uh, so they get news that the 20 good men were all killed trying to find Fansa. Uh And then Ramsay, like, morphs into a different character. And he, like, points out that Johnny Cardboard is a threat to them, even though he's a bastard because Ramsey was a bastard. So that doesn't mean he can't be a threat. Like, and he says this in such a, like, self-confident, like, kind of, like, I am giving you reasonable advice way. Yeah. And he's not and, wrong. No, he's not wrong. He's acting perfectly reasonably. And Bruce chooses this moment to, like, talk about how they can't act like a mad dog. And, like, Ramsey is horrible. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, I guess he's just mad that Sansa got away because yeah. he risked treason for this, but then, like, that's on you. Yeah, well, he's talking, well, he he did, like, talk about how, like, you know, Ramsay treated his wife horribly for no good reason. Yeah, like, you had to play your games and now look at that. Like, he, like, obviously Bruce has reason to be ex- yeah, upset. Yeah, but, like, given the Ramsay's behavior in this scene, it's kind of, like, a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah, no, uh, I, but, I agree with you. Yeah, Karstark yeah, Karstark is standing there, and he talks about how he wants new blood in the North, so he's perfectly fine with the Boltons taking over. Because if you remember, Rob cut off the head of, uh, what's-his-face? Yeah. The other Karstark. But, yeah, this Car- he doesn't, like, uh, he's just like, whatever, basically. He's, no, he's he mentions the Boltons. It. He, me- he, menti- yeah. he mentions Rob executing his father. Yeah, but he doesn't seem, he doesn't seem, like, too broken up about it, I don't know. Like- I mean, no one is. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't matter. The maester runs in to be like, yo, Walda just gave birth to a boy! <laughs> Walda, yay! So, uh, Ramsey is like, alright, congratulations, father, and then sticks a knife in his heart in yeah, well, exactly they, they... the same 
Uh, yeah. Framing as Roos stabbed Rob Snow. Or Rob Stark. Oh my god, Rob Stark. Meaningful, wow. question mark? I think they think it's meaningful. How is it meaningful? It's meaningful. I mean, is it like like what goes around comes around? Yeah, is that the yeah it's, it's, it's poetry. It's, it rhymes. No, like, I'm serious. Is that what they're trying to do? Like, imply yes. that, like, if you stab somebody in the back, eventually you'll get stabbed in the yeah, back? Yeah, it's poetic justice. Just like Ramsey's death is supposed to be poetic justice with okay. his dogs. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think I can accept that. Um, so, and then Karstark is literally just, like, standing there. He doesn't even flinch. He doesn't flinch. And then the maester is like, um, and Ramsey's like, maybe you should write in the letters that my <laughs> father was killed by... He are poisoned by our enemies, I think. The poisoned by is. our enemies. And and the maester, like, slithers off to do it. And we're like, too bad Shaster isn't here. Yeah, remember how the maester has to serve whoever the lord is, right? And you yeah. don't have to kill the maester. Even Ramsay knows that. Just saying. Um, yep. But, like, poor guy, though. I feel sorry for this maester. He's, like, trying so hard just to do his job. Shaster uh, maester would have stood up to him. Yeah. Well, where did that uh, get Shystermeister, huh? Yeah. Shystermeister would have at least wanted a bribe. I think Falaria had it out for Shystermeister. <laughs> because she's, she's like, the last time you'll extort us for sending our letters. Well, he's really upset because he doesn't teach her seven-year-old daughters how to write nicely. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's penmanship sucks and it's all your fault. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah. um, so. So Ramsey is just like, go get the woman who just gave birth and get her to come to me, please. Out in the courtyard. Yeah. The next scene that we are about to describe is almost a full three minutes of screen time, which I don't, for something where not a lot happens, that's a long time. And it's, it's a 50 minute episode and it's, it's almost three, like that's, it's, it's like an actual percentage of the episode. Time. Yeah. And so, like, poor Walda, she, like, literally just gave birth. She's kind of, like, hobbling along the corridor. And, like, really, she looks like she can use a nap, just like Mel. Although she's holding this giant baby, and she's, like... Well, it's, like, wrapped up in lots of furs because it was just born. It's, like, still has ambiotic fluid on it. (laughs) And some some idiot told her to go outside with it. Yeah, and she says that Lord Bolton sent for us because apparently now they remember that Lord Bolton... But can we talk about how much I love Walda? Not for very long. (laughs) No, but she's just like, she's just like such an excited new mom. She's just like, look how pretty my baby is. And just, oh, I love her. Well, it's too bad. <gasps> Sucks for right, you. Yeah. Ha ha. Yeah. So, so yeah, she's like, yeah, Lord Bolton sent for us. Like, where is he? And, and Ramsey's Ramsey like, is, come into these danky kettles, kennels with me instead. Mother. He calls her mother. <laughs> these are my awards, mother from Army. <laughs> <laughs> And so he leads her to the to the kennel, and like we say, this takes three minutes. So we have to stand there while Walda is like looking increasingly distressed, while he slowly opens every single door in the kennel with like this creaky little sound. And she's like, "Seriously, Ramsey, what the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah, I think like, at some point she's like, "Seriously, Ramsey, what are you?" Doing? Yeah, and she's just like, "Where's Lord Bolton?" Because she's not as tight as Randall and Mama Tarly are, so she calls them Lord Bolton. Oh, Randall. Um, <laughs> we met that umber <laughs> and so then like Ramsey kind of like does a half turn and dramatically says I am Lord Bolton and then Walda who I want to be my friend so I could like have like just pictures of margaritas with her and like eat super fries oh she'd be so down to chill yeah, like we could we could watch reruns of Sex in the City and drink margaritas. It would be so awesome. Anyway, she's tell, yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, she starts begging for her life. Yeah, it's it's very entertaining to watch. Yeah, and Ramsey just goes, I prefer being an only child. Oh, like, that's yeah. the actual line, guys. I prefer being that's an only child. That's the actual line. And then dogs eat her. And this, like, mm-hmm. this just took for a fucking ever. And we, like, the camera is on Ramsey's face as he looks intense. Mm-hmm. Outside winter hell. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Fansa, I suppose, is she Brittany yet? She's starting, she's, like, transitioning into Brittany. Yeah, this, she... this is an actual transitional fossil. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> she's, she's a lot more assertive than she was. She's Frittany. <laughs> but, like, yeah, this is, this is transitional. So, Frittany and Brienne, um. Well, this is Dave Hill. <laughs> that's, yeah. Well, Brienne is actually mentioning Arya and how she saw her with a man. Oh, man. Yeah. Who's... He's kind of a well-known knight, but okay, Bran. <laughs> like, yeah. Whatever pleases she, you. Like, didn't she, like, call him by his name in no. that scene? I don't even no, remember. No, she says a, he, she was with a man. Yeah. But, like, so And, then, was, and then she didn't mention, I killed the man. <laughs> no. Um. So, yeah, Sophie Turner is, like, too good for this shit. It's they like, both we are. Have, we have complicated feelings about Sophie Turner, but, like, you can't question her acting chops she um, basically apologizes to brienne for saying she should have gone with her when brienne first offered her services in the back of the inn and then she should have lit the candle sooner all that and yeah and like the whole thing is like this is this is the first scene in this season where it's just like kind of backtracking and trying to explain away why this character just acts completely contrary to any kind of logic or reason but it's not the last they think that if they lampshade it, it makes it okay. I think this was more specifically about when she sent Brienne away after Littlefinger was like, she can't protect you um, in the end. And that isn't completely irrational to me. It's stupid, but it's not completely irrational. So, and Brienne is a class act because she's just like, it was a difficult choice, my lady. Like, not really. Like, <laughs> Oh, okay then. Um, but then Theon has plot things to do. If you want to hear us talk about this conversation with him and Fansom mm. more specifically, you should listen to our Iron Boar podcast, which is a lot tighter than this one. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, basically. And so, yeah, this is where the decision is made to go up to the wall, right? Basically. Yeah, well, they already knew that they were already heading north, but Fansom's like, I-, I want you to come with me, Theon. I'll protect you. It's fine. Like, I'll vouch for you. And Theon's like, no, I read the script. Uh, so, yeah, she you can tell that she's starting to become Brittany. Anyway, back at the wall, um, Mel is... Mel is still sitting in front of that fire. Warming her toesies. <laughs> and Davis comes and is like, oh, I didn't mean to interrupt her nothing. She is literally just staring. Well, she is a person who has the power to see the future in fire. So when she stares at fire, I guess people... Is that what it looked like she was... Shit. Is that what it looked like she was doing to you? No, she was kind of, like, staring off into the middle distance, but I guess that's how you prophesy. I have no idea. Yeah. I think she just wanted another nap. And he says, <laughs> I assume you know why I'm here. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I will when you tell me, I think she says. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Davos is just kind of casually like, can you raise John from the dead? <laughs> I was just thinking about this. Like, do you know if this power exists? What? What? <laughs> He knew that he uh, read the script. Like, okay, he's seen her make shadow babies, but isn't this a little bit of a leap? Uh, maybe. I, I don't know why he thinks that resurrecting John will solve anything, but I guess I it does. Just, I think he just misses him. Yeah, well, they, they were super close. And so he gives her a pep talk, which includes the line, fuck the gods, and, like, 
just go perform your miracles? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was like, fuck the gods. Like, they've never helped us, but why don't you perform this miracle? Uh, let me lo- let me look up the exact wording of it, because it's really bad. And it kind of reminds me of when Larry's like, fuck prophecies and fuck fate. <laughs> yeah. Like, these guys think they're so clever. That they're. I-, I assume you know why I'm here. I will after you tell me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she goes, the Lord never spoke to me. Fuck him, then. Fuck all of them. I'm not a devout man, obviously. Seven gods, drowned gods, tree gods. It's all the same. I'm not asking for the Lord of Light to help. I'm asking for the woman who showed me miracles exist. Do you worship her? They are so fucking lucky they have this group of actors. I sent Griffin the script to Battle of the Bastards that's available on the Emmy website, uh-huh. and he's he doesn't watch the show. He He read a little bit of a song of ice and fire and stopped but so he doesn't have any context and i was just like sending him parts of it he's like do they have a requirement where they have to swear every other word like do they have a quota they need to fill they have a boob quota yeah <sighs> anyway anyway so he doesn't mel believe in gods to... he just wants miracles yeah mel decides to go try be all peppermint butler over john they like they like stripped his body and that they have, like, a cloth over his private bits. Well, And there's know. all these... Well, they would, yeah. They, they have all these, like, open, gaping wounds all over his chest because, you know, he was stabbed. So then and... she gives him a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which actually, like, seriously just looks like she's cleaning a body, sort of like the yeah. asshole and Arya have been doing. But, like, okay, so this is obviously because Kit Harrington got a haircut. And they thought it would be weird if his hair was different when he was resurrected. So they thought that was something worthy of very careful continuity. I guess. And it also, seriously, we watch him getting a haircut for like <laughs> a very long time. We're watching a full yeah. haircut here. So I'm then, not sure why cutting hair is a resurrection thing. Like she's also hair s- doesn't like it's hair. Like doesn't even contain any of your genetic material. She's also you have the follicle. She's also speaking in what I assume is Valyrian, but I really don't know. And then she <laughs> care. takes the hair and she like throws it on him. <laughs> she throws it in the fire. And oh, Beardy yeah, yeah, is just standing yeah. there. And Beardy is apparently on board with this. Remember last episode, or was that this episode? It was this. It doesn't matter. Wildlings don't like the raised dead. Why is anyone on board with this? Yeah, like, Beard is fine with him following a resurrected corpse. Why is anyone fine with this? Why is anyone... Why would anyone think that this was a power that could happen? Wouldn't it make more sense if Mel was like, you know what? I am the only person who saw Thoros do this thing. So maybe I should... Oh my... Anyway, she goes like, shh, 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 shh. No, but she's like really sad, so she wouldn't do Yeah, and John doesn't wake, so then everyone just stomps out of the room and leaves his body with the hair. But this takes a while. This is like very dramatic and takes a while. Of course it takes a while. They had to like fluff the episode. Yeah. But seriously, like, they just all ditch his body. Okay, the yeah. resurrection didn't work. Were you not even going to bury him? Like, what are you, what are you well, doing? Well, I, I guess they had to go like emotionally recover from the ordeal, then they would have gone to back to bury him. But right? Grover starts like pawing at something. Yeah. And then John, it's so bad. It like zooms in on John's face and then all of a sudden. Yeah, like, but then like the music has, had stopped at some point. So it's just like dead silence. And then like he just gasps and breathes he in. Pops his eyes open and gasps like, oh! yeah. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. Two episodes he stayed dead. Why did they even kill him? Because checklist. The next episode is Toothbreaker. No, really, it had no impact whatsoever. Definitely like, not. They on could have character. attempted they could have attempted to kill him and like the wild things could have come in then and nothing could would have to have changed. Okay. Oathbreaker. Yeah. So uh Davos is like I guess he came back in the room because he heard him gasping. 
Maybe. Yeah. They don't have better clothes for him, even though it's really cold. Oh. Yeah, so John ha- uh, Davos has to take off his own cloak and give it to John. Oh, I ship it. I totally also, ship we it. should note that those gaping <laughs> stab wounds are still there. It's magic, though, I guess. I mean, like, Thoros had that lance wound, remember? I guess it's true. Yeah. Um... And then, but like, I don't. Can we talk about the the blocking and how like Kit Harrington is being super modest with like this awkwardly raised leg? <laughs> <laughs> it's just not. It's just. It's like, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that Kit Harrington is in some way obligated to Chopin, but just like it's just so <laughs> awkward. And like, you know, like, does he like? Is he a legit resurrected corpse? Because if he has a functioning circulatory system. He should be bleeding, right? <laughs> I mean, I know it's magic, but I want to know the logistics of this magic. <laughs> What's so funny? I'm just thinking about his race like. No, <laughs> it's just so awkward and like just artificial looking. It's like it's 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 like when you have like a scene of two people in bed and the woman is like holding the sheets up to her chest. You know, it's just like it looks it just looks so artificial. It's like do you have do you ever watch Iranian movies? Yeah. Where they're, like, wearing hijab to bed yeah. because they have to wear hijab all the time in the yeah. whole movie. So if you have a scene where they're, like, asleep, they're wearing hijab. It's, like, that kind yeah. of level of just, like, this is so artificial. Anyway, you know? Davos is, like, really, really calm about it. And he's just like, all right, you've been resurrected. And yeah, it, it, it's something that happens. And Mel comes back in and she's like, what do you remember? Was yeah, there what do you remember an- about the afterlife? I'm talking da- about your near-death experience. But Was there a tunnel? D&D obviously have read the God Delusion. Uh, so John is like, there's nothing. Yeah. And he's really upset about all that he mentions. And name. Mel immediately is like, you're the prince that was promised, which I don't... We're calling him the prince that was promised mm-hmm. now? What happened to Azora High? Uh, oh, I don't... That's old news. Old news, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's that's a good point, because, like, we've never heard anyone say the prince that was promised on this TV show before. I don't remember. I mean, I don't want to say that in case we're wrong. Uh, not not in recent knowledge. S- to my knowledge, this was the first. But, you know, I mean, I've always kind of thought that the whole Azor Ahai, the prince that was promised, all the, all, uh, that it was all sort of just different cultural takes on the same Yeah. Thing. I mean, that's kind of the most popular fandom theory at this point. But, like, I think that's a very good candidate for subversion, but I'm not married to that idea at all. Johnny is the boy who lived. Uh, <laughs> and then Davos is like, this is crazy. It was your idea! Yeah. And so he gives, instead of giving Mel a pep talk, now he's giving John a pep talk yeah, about cause, cause how he's Because I was like, why am I fail. back now? <laughs> he's free to fail, Kylie. Everybody's free to fail. <laughs> and so he goes outside, he gets, he gets dressed in his blacks. And he goes outside, and all the wildlings and all the peeps, all the Night's Watch peeps are like, oh, it's the boy who lived. Yeah, they're, like, not creeped out. I mean, Tormund does, or no, no, it's Ed that says it. Ed's actually suspicious. Ed is like, oh, at least your eyes are brown, that means you're not a white. Like, but no one else even considers this? No one else is like, hey, raise the dead. The wildlings who have experience of their loved ones coming back as white. Like, no one else is like, oh, like, even just like freaking out in the distance and then he gets closer. He's like, it's okay. I wasn't raised by White Walker. I was raised by Mel. And they'd be like, oh, okay. Well, that's totally that's different. Better? That's much better. And we're on board now. Yeah. And, but like, uh, Beardy talks about how everybody thinks that John is a god. 
Mal doesn't get any credit. She doesn't get any credit, but to be fair, like, I do kind of understand why a dude walking around with open stab wounds who was dead for three days, like, why that might impress people. I suppose so. Was he dead for three uh, days? Is it that sledgehammering? Oh, that's just what I say, because I assume it is. But uh, what do you think about it? No, um, let's see. They pulled him at nighttime, and then they had till nightfall. I think it's, I think this was, like, over like two days more well actually like jesus died on friday and he rose on sunday morning so it's not actually three days and three nights nobody oh my god that that's kind of the time that that's that's kind of the timeline here yeah like nobody seemed to notice this in 2000 years it's, yeah no because like friday pothole. no no because john yeah. gets stabbed on a friday night then saturday is when the one day that uh <laughs> that thorn gives them and then you know it's now sunday morning yeah so he's canon jesus not fanon jesus okay um but yeah, so I guess that happened, and that happened. Everyone, Let's go to Winterfell. Yeah, Winter everyone's Hell. okay with everyone's okay with John being a resurrected corpse. Well, and who Lord would be? Umber is there. Lord Remember Umber. Lord Umber? Um. Oh, we met a Lord Umber, right, Randall? <laughs> I I can see how this guy and Randall would get along. No, actually, like seriously, he really hates wildlings, and I'm uh-huh. now. It is now our theory that he and Randall were lovers. And it meant so much to Randall that he imbued him with this wildling hatred that he carried all the way back down to the Reach. Yeah, he's just, like, offended on his boyfriend's behalf when people like wildlings. Yeah. Oh, Randall. So, yeah, Umber is there, and he he doesn't seem to have any problem with, A, the fact that the Boltons totally usurped the Starks, and B, the fact that Ramsay totally killed his own father. Yeah, he's just like, uh, times change. My father sucked, and... Yeah. Two, my father sucked, too? What? And I'm really happy that you're in charge. What? But he's happy that he's in charge, and he'll totally cooperate with him in every way, but he's not going to kneel, and he's not going to swear an oath. Because he's fuck, so countercultural. Because fuck kneeling and fuck oaths. Which yeah. is a, another exact quote. Also, he doesn't believe the poison by the enemy thing, so he knows that this is a kinslayer right in front of him. He's like, fuck, yeah. pop, it's fuck kneeling, fuck oaths, fuck and prophecies. And he's, he's like a super traditional, you know, northerner who hates wild things and is all rough and tumble, but he's perfectly okay with kinslayers. He's, okay. He loves kinslayers and Boltons, specifically. Yeah. Um, but he does, because he is so cooperative with the Boltons, even though he's not going to swear an oath, he has a gift for them. And Ramsay hopes it's a woman because he prefers redheads. Isn't that hilarious, Kylie? Oh my god. Oh wait, is that a joke? Because he, he had a, a wife who he raped a lot with red hair? Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, because uh-huh, he... Laugh. And, and then apparently Karstark is, is a pedophile? Yeah, why not? I mean, I assume that this is their idea of a joke rather than actual pedophile representation, Young, for lack of a better term, because like he, like, stands up and acts all offended. Yeah, okay, So, but, take your pick, which one is worse. Okay, the present, the gift, is not Tyrion this time, it's, um, <laughs> Osha and Rickon, and yeah. then they're like, how did we know that this is Rickon, and then... Because they can't ask him because this actor is also being paid as an extra. Oh my god, it's tragic. <laughs> it's really obvious too and fucking umber tosses the head of shaggy shaggy dog the dire wolf but it's like perfectly preserved and really tiny yeah it's pretty tiny i mean maybe it's it's like a desiccated head like whatever you call it shrunken head i mean they are in the north i guess it would be not to belabor the point also but if ramsey was going to end up having a stark as a prisoner what the fuck did he need to have Sansa as his wife for? Kylie, power in this society comes through marriages and marriage contracts. Julia, 
literally no one cares that she is a Stark. The North doesn't care that he was mistreating her. The North nope. doesn't even care when she shows up on their doorstep, their doorstep selling Girl Scout cookies. The North doesn't fucking care about the Starks. And he already had a Stark prisoner if the whole point of having a Stark prisoner was to... I don't even know what that did. That didn't even get anyone outside. What does him having Rickon do? What does that change? What does any of this do? I mean, like... No, okay, like, let's imagine that Sansa was in the Vale for season five, like, you know, running the castle. And, and showed just... up with Vale Knights in a way that would have made sense for an 11th hour save. Or even, or even if she came in early on in the season when she decided she didn't want to hang out in the Vale anymore and she's just like, yo, John, I'm your sister, let's take back our home. But then like, why did she have to be in Winterhell and be raped well, for season five? Well, here, Cogman said in, in that interview that he had given a lot of thought to her arc and what happens to her in that room during Unbound and Unbroken uh-huh. is, you know, very crucial to what happens to her you know, moving forward. Like, that's a crucial... I mean, it's not like they ignore it. So rape is a crucial step in, again, yeah. her becoming... A, th- this is this is what it is. They couldn't imagine a way for Sansa... Th- there's two options here. One is okay. that they couldn't imagine Sansa becoming a player through any other means than her being raped and wanting revenge. That's, uh-huh. like, one way. Like, that's what will empower her to be a boss-ass bitch who will slaughter dudes in kennels with their own dogs. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's it. And option B is that they just really, really wanted to tell a rape-revenge story. Because they think it's really good entertainment. So, one is that they're sexist enough to think that this is the only way to make Sansa into a suitable character. The other is just that they think that they're sexist enough to think that this kind of, like, exploitative narrative is really good and entertaining. But do you think that it, it would actually have been a viable option to just have Sansa spend season five in the Vale, just kind of growing into some kind of political awareness of her own? Of course, it would have been a viable option because season four. But like ended. honestly, honestly, do you think that would have been a viable? I option? honestly do because the way season four ended and the trajectory. Look, I I don't know if this is a point worth mentioning. Sansa's a more important character than Ramsay. Yes. Sansa's a more important character than Theon. Yes. Sansa is one of the most important characters. I would rank her below Danny, John, Bran, yeah, and Arya. <laughs> Arya to D and D, but yeah, I would no. She's the, she should be the same level as Arya. She should be. And Arya, Ariana, I said that was a joke. Oh oh oh, uh, <laughs> Ariane, of course, of course, of course. I would rank her the same level as Arya, though, who got yeah. two seasons devoted to her swinging a stick around, which didn't fucking do anything. And 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 the end of season four. I think the Darth Sansa's turn was abrupt and a little ridiculous. But at the same time, we were seeing her tapping into like, no, I'm breaking through everything I dealt with in King's Landing. I'm asserting my own agency. I'm lying. I have Littlefinger by the balls and he knows it. And like really putting herself out there. And they could have obviously worked with... You cannot tell me that that Sansa is not interesting and that you can't come up with a storyline, given how she's now tied into Vale Lord politics, that you couldn't imagine some storyline or at the fucking least send her to Winterfell, but not in that context. Maybe she goes undercover. Maybe, and there's like someone else and she struggles with how to like raise the North. Like anything. They could have done fucking anything else. Anything. Or like maybe like like you know trying to do something with Littlefinger and then like deciding that she doesn't trust him, then she goes to John. Yeah, like like maybe she she agrees to this plan and then you know she gets into Winterfell and she realizes that this is a lot worse than I thought it was. 
here's Brienne. You know what? Let me let me escape this marriage with Brienne. I can go to the wall. I'd kind of be like uh, Karstark, like Alice Karstark in that case. Yeah. Which would be weird and like still displacing Sansa from obviously her book plot line. But like that, that discussion's gone. Yeah. But no, instead what we had to do, instead of actually like trying to focus on a, a storyline, what they did was they just threw Stannis off of the board. Because we have to remember, Stannis tried to see mount the siege against Winterfell and he failed and now he's gone. And they just like swept the board clean as In the books at this point, Stannis is about to attack Winterfell and the Umbers are laying siege to it. Yes. Half of the Umbers. Yes, yes, yes. It's complicated. <laughs> So, yeah, just for context, everybody, that's what's happening in the books. <laughs> or they fucking could have, like, they could have done anything. Seriously, Sansa could have been going into the north and trying to win the hill clans, like, mm-hmm. the way that Stannis did. Like, anything, anything could have prevented this. So we are left with the fact that they felt the rape was a fundamental thing mm-hmm. that they needed to have that's either because they think rape is a really really interesting storyline or it's the only motivator they could conceive of because they don't have any fucking idea what an empowered woman is who isn't like yeah like, killing they dude. don't what i mean i i guess no cheryl does just have plain old political ambition right yeah but she also like murders people like well sadly no, I, I was just gonna say they don't seem to have women with just like having political ambition as a motivator. No, that's Cheryl, but I mean, she yeah. blew up everyone to do it, so it goes a little beyond that to the point where she's just like, I'm gonna kill all my enemies all the time, ha! Huh? And, like, that's her that's her end goal, I guess. Yeah, So, but, like, like they seem to think that it's not enough that, you know, Sansa's like, I have a claim to Winterfell, and I want that. They don't know how claims work. Yeah, that's true. They don't. And, you know, I just... The, there's two options in my mind for what the worst thing is that they did about this plotline. Okay. Well, and not two options, I'm sorry, two components of the worst thing that they did. And, <laughs> and one is that they raped Sansa. Like, there's I mean, every well, reason not to, but that they picked a rape revenge storyline for Sansa. Because yeah. I, I guess that's kind of a story worth telling-ish, but I mean, like, this is straight out of the 80s action yeah. movies. Like, those ridiculous fucking like, what is this? Like, is was there anything about it that was, like, adding to the meaningfulness of the corpus of rape revenge stories? Gothic horror. Like, was there anything unique or especially insightful about it that made it worth retelling? No. I, I, I can't think I'm of not anything. just trying to be pissy. I, no, I'm just like, I, I don't, like, I don't want to make, like, some kind of blanket statement just like, you know, you can never tell a rape revenge fantasy because it's been told so many no, times. No, no, because I'm telling you, go right? back, go back and listen to the Winter, Winter Hill retrospective from season five, which I don't yeah. think is actually in our feed on the app anymore, but you can, like, find it on iTunes. It's, it's, I, podcasts annoy me. But, uh, really, like, when you think about it, other than being raped, Sansa didn't do anything in season five. She just, like, sat in a room and waited for Theon to help her, and, like, she tried to urge him to help her. So, like, then it, it could have maybe-ish, I don't really want to go in this route, but been a little something because, like, Miranda was another abused woman, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, the way that her abuse was was turning her into a secondary abuser and, like, how that was playing. And I then, mean, like, Theon's also an abuse victim, so it could have been, like, a mutual... It me off because even, like, her relationship with Miranda had so much potential. And like, it's so much potential. something and, interesting there. Yeah, and they just made it catty and then they... they... Yeah, they made it catty. Like, why would they make it catty when they have 
have this like and and then they had done Miranda's- something interesting. Well, and even <sighs> if it's catty, like it's going to be hostile because that's how like yeah. Miranda's conditioned just to have her die in this like you know come up its moment, which is yeah, and like Sansa has no compassion or empathy for her. Right. None, none. <sighs> she doesn't think about her at all. And then like what's worse is that okay, so two abuse victims escape this and and they're surviving together, and it's her and Theon. At the least, we could have seen a mutual healing arc, which I'm not saying it would justify telling this whole thing, but it would be some takeaway that mm-hmm. is something. But then Theon just fucking disappears to go home after, like, uh, like what? after an entire plotline, uh, an arc about how he was really a Stark all along. Yeah, I know. So, like, so like <laughs> raping Sansa. I'm sorry, that is just. They they made that choice, and it just took a giant shit all over the Northern Theater in a way mm. that there was no going back from it. And suffice it to say, they really didn't stick the landing either. But yeah. then the other thing they did, which is unconscionable to me, is that there was no sense of like, oh yeah, a guy like Ramsay isn't going to inspire loyalty. I d- yeah. I'm not even talking a full blown northern conspiracy. If if they had, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I'm sorry, we're they, jumping. They around. pay lip service to. They pay lip service to that idea. Yes, with with the dogs that eat him at the end, because the idea is he starved his dogs for seven days, or and even they or on even him. with Roos, or even with Roos saying like, you know, you can't act like a mad dog, or, or the, the northern lords won't follow us if you do that. Right, and or even do. the fact so, that like there was a poetic justice to Roos being stabbed. In a yeah. way that mirrored Rob, why? Like they tried to do a poetic justice with Ramsay's death. They tried to say that these things were going to matter. We can't hold the North without them. You know, Sansa. So much of her plotline is saying the North will rise for us. But yeah. no, like in the end, in the end, all that happened was, it was foreign intervention. <laughs> it was foreign intervention by the guy that sold Sansa to her rapist. Yeah, for his own gain. So the story that they told is just like Ramsay was really badass. Good thing Littlefinger could do his shit. Like, that that's what the story became. And John is really dumb. Anyway, not to get ahead of ourselves, um, speaking of John being very dumb, at the wall, John, who is still Lord Commander, I guess, um, is told that it's time for the hangings. The hangings of four choice men mm-hmm. for the four stab wounds he got, I guess? Um, I, like, we think that they, they're actually singling out the dudes who physically stabbed physically him, not stabbed just all the dudes him. who were, like, lolling about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of which is, of course, Ollie. And uh, the other one, which is Thorn. And, um, we'll gloss over everybody else, but, uh, Thorn is, like, committed. He basically says that, like. He'd do everything all over again. Yeah, like, he's option. upset that it didn't work out, but, you know, he, he knows he did the right thing basically and he's he's racist but he's a sincere racist mm-hmm. i think i'd like him <laughs> oh that's interesting my love <laughs> i don't know what to do with that no it's just like i he's he's like um he's like a villain done well right mm-hmm. like this is a villain that actually deserves to be played with nuance yeah <laughs> unlike ramsey too um yeah but ollie doesn't get to say anything he because gives, they don't want to pay him sex. he just like gives smoldering looks again yeah but and is he, like, even in the Night's Watch? Yeah, I don't know. Like, he's, <laughs> I mean, I guess stabbing dudes is illegal, no matter what organization you belong to, but... Like, he's a traumatized kid. Yeah. I mean, I guess John had to hang him, but, like, really, did he have to hang him? Like, why? He's a traumatized kid. I don't know why this kid is even in this show, so... <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it makes sense. This like, had to happen. Where else would he go? <sighs> like, none know. of it makes sense, and Joe was training him for leadership, but, like... 
do you really think murdering a kid at this age? And, like, he obviously didn't organize the stabby coup. That was clearly Thorn. I think they kind of implied that he did organize the stabby coup, Kylie. <laughs> he convinced, the they Thorne, that he convinced Alistair Thorne to stab his own Lord Commander. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. Well, like, you know, it was, it was a meeting of, like, kindred spirits there. Oh, God. Anyway, <sighs> they, John cuts a rope which hangs all four of them at once because he's efficient. And yeah. we are shown the corpses, like, close up and like from all I yeah, know we have a close-up of ollie's like purple bloated it's face disgusting. Like, like for five seconds as he's dying and then the, the for six seconds as he's dying and then there's a second kind of longer shot of all four corpses kind of twitching where you can see all their faces and that lasts for another five seconds which doesn't sound very long but it's 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 long. long when like what they're showing is so unnecessary because they could have cut the rope we see them drop and then hey we understand what happens well, they're so brave for showing us a kid. Uh, then John basically quits in a shit fit. Like, there's no other way to describe what happens. Yeah. Because so, what is this like, the moment that he quit? So he stayed Lord Commander long enough to, to yep. judicially execute a child, and then he quit. Yep. And like, he, I'm sorry, but he said that his he is no longer Lord Commander because he died. So he stopped being Lord Commander the moment he died by that logic. So on what authority? This is not the first, the last time this season. I will question why John has the authority to do shit. By the way, <sighs> maybe it was Ed's call. Uh, I don't think he says anything. I don't think he connects his death to not being Lord Commander anymore. But he's no longer bound to his oath because he died. But he doesn't bring that technicality up. He doesn't bring... No one brings that up. That's just what the fandom is saying. Like... No, he says... No. He he says... He's like... He's like, I I promised to serve the Night's Watch until death, and then I died. He says something like that. No, he doesn't. He does. No, Julia. Look it up, Kylie. Should we burn the bodies? You should. What do you want me to do with this? Wear it. Burn it. Whatever you want. You have Castle Black. My watch is ended. What did he say right before that? You have Castle oh, no, Black. That, My watch is ended. Then it's in the second. This is the next episode where he says something about that. Because he says something about how he's. De- he says something about his death. I swear to Are God. You sure. He says they killed me. Like he he gets upset. Like I was murdered for it. No, he says something explicitly about dying, not binding him to his oath anymore. I'm like ninety nine percent point nine percent sure about this. He, he has to, or it makes... Oh, oh, like, oh, 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 you, you swear that. I, I pledged my life to the Night's Watch. I gave my life for all nights to come. They killed me, Ed, my own brothers. You want me to stay here after that? I pledged my life, I gave my life, okay. But he, he didn't really... But then... <sighs> I gave my life for all nights to come. It, it, he didn't... He, he doesn't really make it as explicit as he needs to if that's seriously the loophole they want to go with. But the loophole is stupid, so, like, it doesn't matter. I mean, it might actually end up being the loophole in the books. I just, it's all in the execution, right? This is stupid. <laughs> anyway, he basically hands his cloak to Ed and is like, here, you are the Lord Commander. That's how that works. Okay, so in the next episode, uh, Johnny, after storming out of the castle, it turns out he actually stormed into, like, his old bedroom so he could have some soup. So he can pack? I don't even know. Oh, is he packing? No, there's no soup yet. Soup is Yeah, he's episode. packing right here. And then yeah. Ed is like, um, excuse me, remember the army of the dead that you're really worried about? <laughs> Yeah, nobody cares about them. Yeah, and he's just like, you want me to stay here? Like, he he actually doesn't have an answer to this, because he's like, we saw what's coming, how can you leave it? And he's like, yeah, they stabbed me. What? Like, what? Then, like, even Ed, when he's yelling at him for deserting the Night's Watch, doesn't actually use that term. No, but, like, the, the point about the army of the dead is still out there, and you said that as a concern, John doesn't have an answer to it. 
They just get interrupted because that is no Orkhorn blows. Like, it just doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, anyway, so the Orc, the not Orkhorn blows, and it's a ride at the gate. It's guess who it is? It's Britney, bitch. It's Britney, bitch. Actually, I think when she first shows up, she's still in transition. Okay, she looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, but she shows Brittany up. Never looks like uh, shit. They get to work right away, seeding Beardy being attracted to Brienne. Yeah, and she's wearing the same clothes she was wearing outside of Winterhell. And yeah. I'm not sure how far away the wall is from Winterhell, but from Winterfell, it's like a two week ride. So you know what, Julia? She must smell really nasty. Well, that's why she's still in transition mode because Brittany always smells great. Yeah, like you can tell. Brittany yes. chews like cinnamon gum. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's actually nice. There's a stark cello of extreme emotional significance, and I think they yeah. hug, right? Like yes, they it's, hug. It's, it's really it's, nice. Yeah, Fansa, the Fansa's uh, Brittany transition character is really into the meaningful hugs. <laughs> she's all about the meaningful hugs, actually. Yeah. No, like, hugging on the show, we're always like, this hug is nice, because it's nice when people are nice to each other. You're yeah, like, and oh. it's, it's nice when they don't talk. Yeah, that too. <laughs> because the actors are good, but the writing is terrible. Oh, fun fact, by the way, we never actually saw Sansa and John together at the same time on the screen. Back in season one, if you go back and rewatch, they never interacted. <laughs> They don't really? Yeah. I mean, like, obviously you can assume they did because they're brother and sister, but, like, yeah. in, in terms of what show watchers you have seen. You mean half-brother. Okay. Fuck you. Are you the asshole now? Is that <laughs> smack no, me I'm, for saying brother? I'm the Song of Ice and Fire fandom. No, I know, but, like, <laughs> I, I know. I know what you're doing. Well, I'm saying the asshole you pulled that too. Yes. Anyway, the next scene, it's Britney bitch. But the reason why, the reason why we don't see them interact is because Britney was absolutely horrible to John, apparently, on the, all these off-screen encounters. Look, we have to talk about Britney for a second, because Britney is cleaned up. She obviously got a yeah. bath. She, like, has a fresh braid in her hair. She has some lip gloss, some eyeliner, and she is looking good. Yeah, and she really appreciates the soup because she's so courteous. She's like, like, this soup is delicious. She always knows exactly the socially appropriate thing to say. And then she's, she's like, awesome. she she's also a Sansa hater, though. She's like, I was awful yeah. to you. And John's like, you were occasionally awful. <laughs> and Brittany, Brittany really hates Sansa because Sansa didn't magically know that doing exactly what was socially expected of her would lead to tragedy. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I should I should have never gone down to King's Landing. What? <laughs> You were betrothed to the prince. <laughs> Your dad was just made hand. Like, how is this going to work out? But anyway, um, our theory is that like Sophie Turner and Kit Harrington were just like really bored and or confused because they play this like flirty. Yeah, it's actually really like Johnson Shippers for the show. I kind of get where it's coming from because this is really yeah. like banter back and forth. I mean, like if it's not flirty, it's like these. They're they're both super chill and super close. Yeah, this they're just is, like, like fun like, times. A couple of chill nerds. They're hanging yeah. out. <laughs> well, chill nerds. What I'm saying. They're both but, popular kids. I mean, the thing about Britney is that she sounds a lot like Sophie Turner sounds in interviews. It's a little <laughs> less dumb. Like she has. She, like Britney is obviously more intelligent than poor Miss Turner. But like you wouldn't be surprised if same, she started saying kind like of, every other word. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same kind of affect that Sophie Turner has that Britney has. Which is very different from uh, Sandra's affect. Also, um, she says to John something like, where will you go? So I guess mm-hmm. she learned that he was stabbed and resurrected. And boy, am I upset that that conversation <laughs> happened off screen. Because yeah. I want that. I want to see how she reacts to her brother being a resurrected corpse. So anyway, Brittany has a plan. 
Her plan is to raise all the Northern Lords and take Winterhell back because that's their home and they got to get their family back together. Also, there's and literally nowhere else for them to go. Yeah. And she's full of like reasonable military advice about like, you know, how to build an alliance and things like that. Oh, she was and also she, told off screen that Bran and Rickon are alive. Yes. They know that Bran and Rickon are alive. I that's, assume she told him Arya was alive too off screen also. Yeah. But that soup was more important to show. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think they decide that they're totally going for Witcher Hell, or is or is um no is John, no John's hesitant? not into not John's not interested at all. Yeah, no, he won't. She do said, it. But she says she's going to do it by herself, so it's fine. Brittany, she's totally like, pull it I, off. she's basically like, I want you to come, but I'll do it by myself if I have to. Occasionally, yeah. awful. <laughs> <laughs> they're bonding over beer, right? Uh, oh right, she drinks some of his oh, beer. Oh, she, she's basically like, it belongs to our family. He's. Uh, Oh, where are you going? I want to go get warm. Okay, do you really think we're going to be safe if Roose Bolton remains nor- warden of the North? Reasonable uh, point. Yeah, and and then he go. She's like, we have to go. We have to fight for this. He goes, I'm tired of fighting. All I've done since I left home, I've killed brothers in the Night's Watch. I've killed wildlings. I've killed men I admire. I've hanged a boy younger than Bran. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> I fought and I lost. And then she says, if we don't take back the North, we'll never be safe. I want you to help me, but I'll do it myself if I have to. Is that where the scene ends? The scene ends, and then it just goes into a scene of, um, I think she- Davos and Mel. Yeah. So, Mel is still looking sad, but she's firmly on Team Johnny Cardboard now. Well, and she- And she's full of- She yeah. resurrected him. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, if, if you put all the effort in. Yeah. Um, and she's- She's also fully into the prince that was promised Lingo. She, I guess, you know, when you're in Weisteroff, you have to speak Weisterossi. Mm-hmm. So none of this Valyrian bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Davos is super awkward. And he mentions the fact that she used to think that that was Stannis. And that gets kind of super awkward. <laughs> so she walks away. And then he mentions Shireen. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. He remembers Shireen as a thing for the first time. Yeah. He's like, what happened to the princess is what he says. Which he hasn't asked this whole time. Yeah. And Well, I guess he was busy. But, hey, guess what? Brienne is right there. Yeah. And she's a bit of an asshole. And, like, she's, I guess, I, I think, like, she was, like, doing something with her sword at the back. You can kind of see, like, an anvil in the background, so probably, like, a smithy there. But she's, like, walking around with, like, her sword out, basically. She's just <laughs> being a jerk, and she's like, I know what happened. And then she proceeds to not say what happened. And she's... Well, she says that, she says that she executed Stannis. Yeah, she says she executed Stannis, and she mentions the blood magic that killed Renly. Because mm-hmm, um, she's really into Renly, apparently. But that's, so. that's it. She just is like, oh, I know what happened to Shireen. I killed Stannis. And then walks away. And you're like, um, I think were, we're missing something, but thank you. Yeah, you're right. That is how that happened. And I guess Davos just I mean, kind of I, I mean, like, uh, fills it in in his brain. Maybe she just like heard like them mentioning Stannis and she didn't. Well, she wasn't listening carefully. Like, it's fine. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, it's, it's so stupid, but it's fine. Julia, um, what's the next scene? We travel to the Vale, where where uh, little Robin Aaron is really really bad at archery. Like he's like me level bad at archery. Yeah, like, this is like me. This is like me in ninth grade gym class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Bronze Yon and his outfit? <laughs> he's got this like giant breastplate with his like ratty old Macintosh raincoat over it. What is he? Why is he preparing to go to war right now? Like he's just like he's watching, always wearing a breastplate. He's all just the watching time. Robin fight. Like what is he doing? <laughs> it's just target practice. You don't need to be suited up, dude. It's not even him doing the target practice. He's just watching. A, maybe he's a, he's afraid that Robin will like accidentally shoot the arrow at him. I don't know. What an important honeypot. Anyway, Peter <laughs> Littlefinger Batfinger shows up. 
Uh-huh. And Robin is tired. And Robin is immediately like, Uncle Peter! What? They're so close. I, I don't remember this being a thing, but okay, I guess it was. Yeah, but this, kid is, kind another, guy, yeah, this is another kid who's who's getting tall. I mean, is Aiden Gillian especially short? No, and his and Robin's voice is starting to crack a little bit too. You can hear the yeah. Brady. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Royce is just like, what the fuck are you he also doing has, here? He has a rat dose. He does. Yeah. <laughs> but Royce is like, uh, Batfinger, what the fuck are you doing here? And where the fuck is Sansa? Yeah, like, remember when you were going to go chill at the fingers for some reason, but apparently you're all involved in shenanigans? Yeah, and because I didn't I didn't notice where your wagon was going when it was going up the one fucking road, but yeah. Uh and and Batfinger is like, "Oh, you know, we were we were attacked and the Boltons forced Sansa to be married because that's the only way anyone reasonable would think that like that happened." Yeah. And he uses, this is really stupid, he uses the term travel plans, which <laughs> just sounds so, like, jarringly anachronistic. <laughs> uh, somehow he gets Royce on the defensive, and I don't even remember how this happens. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, like, hard, like, on the D&D scale, it wasn't that inorganic, but... Like, Royce must be really stupid to not be able to claw his way out of it. Or maybe it's just that because Robin are so tight. Here's what it was. This is why he mentioned, he says, you knew of my travel plans and you were the yeah. only one. So obviously, because we were obviously attacked, the only thing that could have happened, obviously, is that you told someone, obviously. And it, he was just trying to convince Robin. Yeah, this, but Robin's hard. kind of dumb canonically, and apparently he's really tight with Peter now, and he will do anything that he says. Well, I mean, Peter did just give him a pet falcon, so. That's true. So, I mean, I guess that's enough to convince So him. Robin's like, let's not kill Royce, like, do, let's not make him go through the moon door because we just left the Eerie, <laughs> but he basically is like, I want to save Brittany, you know, she's my cousin, and I want to yeah. save her, and I guess he really misses their fun bonding, like, the time that Sansa slapped the shit out of him. But, like, he's probably the most, like, reasonably acting lord in this entire plotline. Oh, absolutely, because he's like, <laughs> yeah, my cousin was kidnapped by someone who's doing bad things to her, like, of course I'm gonna help. Yeah. Yeah, so, now that I think about you it, yeah. first, Robin Aaron is the most lordy lord in this entire plotline. That line. includes Blackfish. <laughs> God damn! All right, let's get. But um, like, it really freaks me out that this is like how a major geopolitical decision is being made. Just like some stupid kid with a bird and, and some idiot in a breastplate. Which I think, like Martin, does point out things like this at times. Yeah, and it's I supposed suppose. to be a little ridiculous, but it's just yeah. like because everyone's so stupid all the time in this show. Yeah, yeah okay. Anyway. It's a little Trump-esque, I think. Now it's time for Julia's favorite scene, which is in Winter Hell. Winter Hell again. So, um. Kylie, I, I might shock you, but uh, you know Ramsey Bolton? Mm-hmm. I think he's a bad guy. Um, evidence? Well, first of all, you should see what he's doing to this apple. It's a crime against nature. Oh my god, I've never <laughs> seen anyone peel an apple so badly. There is okay, so much not- flesh. <laughs> yeah, see, the point of peeling an apple is to remove the skin, not, like, the flesh of the apple, right? So you're trying to remove as little... Like, you're is it trying to make to be, as thin slices as possible. Is it supposed to be, like, intimidating? Because maybe, like, when he flays men, he doesn't care about, like, doing a fine job, and it's supposed to show his lack of control. I don't care. I don't care. Is that, is that what it's supposed to be? Anyway, I, mean, I should see the director trying in, to be deep. Osha pops in, and she's borrowed one of the potato sack <laughs> dresses that the High Sparrow has on reserve. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, apparently she has been bathed and brought to Ramsey. 
Uh, and so I know they just have like this like bullshit banter about how Osha's this mercenary person, and Ramsey's really impressed. Like, I'm, I, it's not worth recapping. No, like, no, we no, think no, it's no, not no. worth recapping. It's not worth recapping. Basically, um, hey, long story short, Osha goes to try to seduce Ramsey, and she yeah. plans on actually stabbing him. But or I'm not sure if she did plan on actually stabbing him, but then he's just like he like calls her on the fact that he knows that she helped the Starks. No, I'm, I mean she she was in there to do shit to him. Okay, I'm 100 percent convinced. I have no idea why they brought this character back. Um, so to punish they didn't... to punish her for saying bad things about Game of Thrones. <sighs> I mean they they thought it was worth not paying her as an extra. So um, not she paying grabs... Rick on as an extra, yeah, yeah. Um, she grabs the knife and tries to stab him, but then he stabs her first. With another knife, and, yeah. I don't know. With another knife, and she's, like, we see her twitching on the ground, bleeding out. And so then he rubs the blood off of the knife and continues to peel the apple. And then it. eats it, which is not sanitary! I, I, I feel dumber, having commented on that. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> Alright, so then he finally sends, back at the yeah, wall. Um... I feel like being pedantic and complaining about the white peace banner. Fucking sue me. Peace banners in Westeros are rainbow striped because that's the symbol of the of the faith. A white banner would mean nothing. Um, right, and that's also why Renly went with a rainbow guard. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. That and George R. R. Martin is a little bit cheeky, but um, it's another meal scene. I think, and like everyone's yeah. like basically sticking their heads in the bowl and slurping. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Like, but it's it's uh, it's another one of those long drawn out kind of like just let's watch people chew for 30 seconds <laughs> it's not quite horn fair level but yeah <laughs> nothing will ever be <laughs> and uh we learned that uh the food at the wall is kind of gross because there seems to be some kind of tongue in britney's soup and beardy is super hetero you guys oh my god he's like eating seductively no, at brienne yeah but, but he's also kind of like like looking at her with like his hand on his cheek and sighing at times too like it's actually kind of like in like better hands it could be actually like a very Look, tragic we, we and touching talk- story about unrequited love also we keep talking about his um hetero nature because he was the one who no homoed murdered someone last year <laughs> yeah. so that's like why we keep bringing it up we don't think it's bad like we don't think it's weird that they're straight people we just think that like beardy's <laughs> no homo reaction was so ridiculous and over the top that every time he does something hetero we're just like oh he's hetero um so any a dude comes in and he gives john the letter even though john's not the lord commander anymore and it has a seal that you can just slide off. Which is weird, because really isn't that me. how wax works? But... Yeah, no, but that, like, kind of defeats the purpose of a seal. It's not... slide it off. It's not as it's big a giant as... giant seal. It's not as big as Littlefinger seal, but it's pretty big. Anyway, so this is the purple letter of uh, pink, A Dance with Dragons letter. fame. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the pink letter of uh, A Dance with Dragons fame. Um, and they're trying really hard to get the tone of the letter in the books and they're just making it sound really stupid. To do the, you read okay, it? so here it is. To the traitor and bastard Jon Snow. How do you want me to read this? As John or as... How is he a traitor? To the traitor. Well, he did leave the Night's Watch, but I guess he knows it already. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, no. To the traitor and bastard Jon Snow, uh, Umber's anti-wildling sentiment came in. Oh, right. You allowed thousands of wildlings past the wall. You have betrayed your own kind. You have betrayed the North. Winterfell is mine, bastard. Come and see. Your brother Rickon is in my dungeon. His direwolf skin is on my floor. Come and see. I want my bride back. Send her to me, bastard, and I will not trouble you or your wildling lovers. Keep her from me and I will ride north and slaughter every wildling man, woman, and babe living under protection. I will watch- you will watch as I skin them alive. You- go on. It's just more the same. 
You will watch my soldiers take turns raping your sister. You will watch as my dogs devour your wild little brother. Then I will spoon your eyes from the sockets and let my dogs do the rest. Come and see. Ramsay Bolton, Lord of Winterfell and Warden of the North. <laughs> I, did you notice how assertive Brittany was in her letter swiping? Swiping or no swiping. Um, no, like, <laughs> the come and see as the motif, like, I can see why they think that would sort of work in the same way. Mm-hmm. It... it it's just hard because this context makes no sense. I mean, it's like he's telling him to come and see, but he's also saying I'm going like, to come. And he's also saying like, "Bring, give me back my bride, and I'll leave you alone." So is this him very, very clumsily trying to call him out? I don't know what this is. This means nothing to me. Yeah. Anyway, so Brittany. This reads is- like a Trump tweet. <laughs> very long it's it's it's, it's a tough you have Twitter betrayed explosion. your own kind you have betrayed the north very bad <laughs> sad <laughs> um so britney is very assertive first of all she's not afraid of these rape threats you know she's not going to be intimidated and she's very assertive in saying that like this doesn't change anything like in fact this just makes us have to do what we're planning on yeah, doing she's even like, more john this is what i'm saying we aren't yeah. safe what are we yeah. going to do <laughs> Come on, and uh, she- and she talks about how loyal the Northern Lords are, and how they could they totally have like you know the legitimacy to rally them all together. She remembers military details about the size of the Bolton force. She says five thousand mm-hmm. or six thousand. You know, even though if you go back and watch season five footage, she's literally locked in the bedroom the whole time. But okay, mm-hmm. well she she heard him say apparently he probably like brags about like you know the size of his. Oh my god, army. I don't want to hear. It. Well, I don't. Yeah, I do not, girl. <sighs> Yeah, but yeah, he seems like that kind of guy. Um, but she says the North remembers. Yeah, that old lady remembered. And but then Davos like pisses me off by saying that like they would totally follow John. Just like John, they would fucking follow John. You ask anyway. Um, and then well, and John, um, John goes, "I'm not a Stark," and she goes, "But I am, and you might as well yeah. be." And when she says, "But I am," and then John looks pissing, it's like, "But she is, but she yeah. is." What what is the problem? Don't, don't you want good things for you? No, but the, there's this whole thing where, like, she says, you know, like, I have the Stark name. I have legitimacy to rally the Northern Lords. And he looks hurt. So she, like, jumps to save his ego. I yeah, think. and she's like, and uh, you're just as much a Stark, too. And also, like, yeah. I'm sorry, but doesn't John want Winterfell? Like, wouldn't he want it in the hands of, you know, Rickon, if Rickon's there, if they can get to Rickon alive? And if somehow something happens in the hands of, uh... In the hands of Brittany? Like, I just don't yeah. understand. But no, he's 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 upset that his, like, you know, his bastard inferiority complex. Which, like, he's allowed to be upset about, but, like, why is he letting it cloud his judgment like this? And I she's, like, so sensitive to his needs, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, exactly. But, uh... And um, another, like, stupid little detail I want to make sure we mention is that uh, Johnny asks Beardy how many men he has. And he says specifically that he has about 2,000 people who are fit to fight and the rest are old and children. So he specifically doesn't uh, assume women are non-combatants. Which it's, is it's the first time. Detail. But yeah. like, there's also Which, like, It's a stupid little detail, but like, remember that. Other than Smurfettes, I don't think we've seen many women. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like basically the pink letter, Brittany couldn't convince John to come with her on, on her own. The pink letter does at least imbue a little bit of uh necessity because Rickon is Rickon is a huge deal and like obviously Roos isn't even warden it's Ramsey now so they really are remarkably less safe well yeah. I don't know no they'd be in equal shit like uh, it depends like yeah no cause cause Ramsey is just like 
you know, you can't reason with Ramsay, and there's, like, a hope in hell of reasoning with Roos, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Because Roos might leave him alone at the wall. I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't hugely matter. But, uh, what I'm trying to say is we are actually at a good stopping point because this is where, you know, their plot lines are converged and they're kind of about to set off onto the next chapter, which is planning to retake Winterhell. Uh, that tangent that I went off of about why Sansa didn't need to be raped, that's obviously something we're going to come back to, but I think it was important to say when I did yeah. because again, Rickon in Winterfell makes Sansa as a prisoner completely superfluous, even if they wanted to use Sansa as a prisoner to, like, spur Northern Lords to do anything, which they didn't. Yeah. Rickon didn't do anything either. But I'm just saying, like, this was fucking terrible. I mean, it certainly, it didn't serve the same thematic function as uh, Jane Poole being held prisoner in Winterfell did either. Absolutely not. So. So that's where we are. We are going to take a break here. Um, And by a break, I mean the podcast episode is going to end here. Our next podcast episode is going to finish talking through the rest of it. And then we'll also get into the more, okay, now we're really just talking about arcs specifically and yeah. checklist and ask poll we promise it's going to move a little faster because we're it's not like we're going to be like and then john swings his sword like <laughs> yeah i mean there's remarkably john. little happens actually in the second half of the remarkably little happened in what we're describing we just kind of like talked through the implications here mm-hmm. uh as always if you like what you have been listening to please 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 leave us reviews i know we ask for it every time but it like seriously does help us get found it's really mm-hmm. nice. It if you have any book snob friends or just anyone yeah. who watches the show. and If and- you go on a date and you end up just going on a weird Game of Thrones rant, just make sure to mention this uh-huh. podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> and the episode before this in the feed was a Song of Ice and Fire only because we, mm-hmm. we do like talking about the books. We really like the books. Uh, so And we like Gretchen. Oh, we do like Gretchen. Maybe we'll have her back for the Stennis episode. Maybe. If we do, uh, I guess we have to. We now. have to now. It's a uh, it's a requirement here, like my lord. <laughs> um, other than that, please check out our writing on thefandamentals.com. Definitely check out the whatever and send Kylie annoying, uh, like really gushy anons about her music this week, please. Yeah, yeah, right. We're gonna leave you with a full song, which I may or may not have also embedded into our retrospectives. I haven't totally decided what I'm doing with it yet. But <laughs> uh, we're, instead of having normal outro music and an Easter egg, we are just going to have a full song, "The Ballad of the Bastards." That's the name of the podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> so enjoy, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Someone tell the story. Someone sing the song. Every now and then adaptations go a little wrong Every now and then villain sues are bound to come along Doesn't stop the story HBO is pretty strong Doesn't change the song Johnny Snow is a mundane fella all the charisma of cardboard No one will ever call him clever But he can swing a sword What did you do with Johnny? Port you to a trap Why let your battle plan that you began Fall apart to crap Some say it was you were enraged You couldn't face the facts Some say the reason you engaged Is cause you're penned by hacks Johnny lives with a blot and boring 
kind of like his acting ability. Some house fans are all adoring. Must be the virility. Why did you do it, Johnny? Help us understand. You with full army, you were to lead against Ramsey. How could you be without a mere command? Your sister made you jealous, John. You never had her brain. Was that the reason? Tell us, John. Or was it just man pain? Are you seeing what they're saying about me? That I'm a convincing sword fighter. That my time in Pompeii helped my form. What I did was bloody awesome. And I won't have snobby book fans saying I did it out of jealousy on some kind of rabbit fit. They say that death had changed you, John. Here, IGN called it a spectacular war chapter. You ignored Ollie's plight. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 98% critic rating. They say that's what deranged you, John. Shut up. And that you wouldn't believe Sansa's right. I said shut up. I have given my life to one purpose. Do you understand? Pass on the truth. You're the only one that can. Please. He said, damn you, Ramsay, you had your way. Boy. With blood you drew out of black and gray. Tell them all. Tell them to their list. He said, damn you, Ramsay, and damn the day. Your plot armor was put on display. He said... I did it for the fame. What I did was give the season some excitement. No one cares it was a trap. All that matters is viewers clap. Because someone slew the badass, which makes me and Sansa badass. He said, damn you, Ramsey, you cunning whore. Boy. You were handed every northern lord and more. Exact outfit, how we got trapped in an open field. Tell him how the fighting and all that it was is the best TV offers. How recreating the Battle of Cannae surely keeps stories fresh. How the blood looks shockingly real how the tracking shots landed how the sound came and went every top dollar spent how the episode was surely worthy of that all time 10.0 imdb rating always always Trenches 
Let the plot holes remain. Leave it to firm boys to explain what we're dead. Plain and plain was a cinematic feat. Let them cry, vapid right in. It was nothing but exciting. The audience is still what it was. Johnny Snow was a simple fellow. Tells us how he fell into that snare. Doesn't matter, his brain is filled with jello. He's got that luscious hair. How could you do it, Johnny? Calling it what's right. You led your infantry and cavalry to slaughter. We watched eagerly just for a visual fight. Get what should have earned you jeers and boos with all the massive graves. Instead, bought new press reviews where you got only raves. Damn you, Snow!